Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Hits that ball high in the air, deep left center field, long run. That's going to be in the alley. That's going to go all the way to the wall. Around third, here comes Cesar Hernandez. Relay throw all the way to the plate, not in time. High fly ball, deep right field, goodbye. A three-run homer for Jose Ramirez. Right back up the middle and through. That'll get one run home. Here comes another. Eddie Rosario with his third hit of the night. He's driven in a pair. And he has effectively put this one away for the Tribe. Well, I thought the Cardinals were going to get back on track last night. That didn't exactly work out as anticipated. They got on a track. That is fair. They, sir, they There was a, we did the choose your own adventure yeah. yesterday. The Cardinals chose their own adventure, and it was certainly a bumpy like, ride. Like, look, uh, you know, uh, motivational, com, um, motivational statement, maybe? The highway to success. You're going to hit bumps every once in a while. And that was the bump to the... Checkpoint of success. So the Cardinals last night lost 10-1. to 1, Did that work? The, the Indians, <laughs> who have not hit all year long, decided, you know what, let's just hit bombs all night long against Carlos Wait, Martinez. They've been no hit for like 50 games already this More season? More or less. Wow. More or less. Uh, they win 10-1 to 1 against the Cards. Carlos looked pretty awful for the first three innings, had a really solid fourth inning, and then they ended up pitch hitting for him in the bottom of that yeah, one. Yeah, bases loaded. You had to get the runs in, and you did. John Nagowski didn't come through. Yeah, Albert Pujols would have. My guy Nagowski just did not. It, it didn't work for him, unfortunately. So, Carlos Martinez, we got to talk about him. Yep. Because we were all very excited about the way that he started the year, and for good reason. His first nine starts went 54 innings. He had a four ERA. Very solid. He had five quality starts in those nine outings. He has now given up 15 earned runs in his last four and two-thirds, which is over two starts. Not great, Bob. Here's what Mike Schilt had to say after the game about his starter. Uh, we don't need more. We need what he's basically done all season. You know, the last start over in L.A. was clearly not as, uh, you know, good, you know, kind of throw that out and look at the big body of work, which has been really good. Clean, effective, you know, getting late in the games, getting softer contact. That's the version we need. Not, not anything better than that. that would, and that gets you that sixth, seventh inning. Marty, I'm going to ask you to play that first part again for me one more time, please. Uh, we don't need more. We need what he's basically done all season. Okay, you can stop right there. You don't need more. You just need what he's done all season. 
Well, what he's done all season was more than what he has done in these last two games. To clarify. No, there's no, was... there's no clarification, Mike Schilt. You don't need more. You I'm just... going to stick up for my guy, Schilt. My guy, Mike Schilt, was asked, do you need Carlos to step up even more than what he had been previously because Jack Flaherty is out right now? So but we don't saying, need more. We no. just need what he normally gives us. Yeah, yeah. I, I see how that would be a little contradictory. I can I can understand where you're going. I, I with mean, this. maybe this is selfish of me. And look, I have been known to be a selfish person every once in a while, but I would prefer more from Carlos Martinez if that's okay. Like, give me the Carlos that went eight innings and no earned runs against Pittsburgh. I'd be down for that. Give me the Carlos that threw seven and a third against Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies and allowed one earned run. You know what I think happened here? I think Carlos assumed that this year was also a 60-game season. He was like, my season's over. He went out. I'm good. <laughs> we, I have already had my finale. Uh, I had a 3.7 or whatever ERA. That was my end of season results. I'm not here for 162. I'm here for 60. Can we please be done? Look, uh, uh, in, in all jokes aside towards Mike Schilt, I, I get what he's saying, but I think you do need more from Carlos because without Jack Flaherty, who's going to give you Jack Flaherty's workload? Like, you can't sit here and be like, oh, well, we just need John Gant to be John Gant and Carlos and Wayno and Oviedo to be themselves. No, you need a little bit more because you just lost your ace who guarantees you seven innings almost every time he's out. He was 8-0 before he was injured. You need more than what that was. And it started off rough for Carlos. I mean, first pitch swinging at the first two guys, and you're already looking at a run and then a runner on third base. He got out of the inning, which I'm thinking, okay, Carlos Martinez, back to himself. It's the opposite of what we saw in his last start. But the two similarities in the game against the Dodgers and the game against the Indians, BK, and this is what I said to you after that Dodgers game, maybe Kisner doesn't need to be the catcher for Carlos. Maybe you need Yadier Molina behind the plate for Carlos. And this was an injury situation. I think Yadi would have been back there if not for the need. Didn't they say he was available in an emergency situation they said that though? on Monday too. So yeah. I, I think this is a spot where Yadi's more hurt than they're letting on and they're trying to make it through without putting him on the IL. They seem to believe that he's going to be able to return today. We'll see. We'll be listening to the lineup Man, game so. later on this afternoon with the fast lane. We'll we'll see if he's in there. But they do need more. They need more from Carlos Martinez, but I actually tend to agree with what Schilt said. If you get the Carlos that they had for the first eight or nine outings of the season, I think that's enough. If he can consistently go out there and give you six strong innings, giving up four earned runs or less, honestly. I don't even need a quality start every time. Four earned runs or less, six innings or more. If you can do that from Carlos, man, that is enough that this offense should be able to bring it home for you. The problem is the issues right now are bigger than any one thing. It's bigger than them being able to go out there and acquire a starter to be able to fix what's happened to them. Their offense is in a massive rut right now. They've scored four runs or more twice in their last nine games. So in this stretch of bad baseball, they're not scoring runs and they're not preventing them. Newsflash, Alex. That is a really bad recipe to be able to Our, win baseball games. Hold on. You're telling me that if you give up a lot of runs mm -hmm. and you don't score a lot of runs. That is correct. That's a recipe for losing. Yep. It doesn't work out well for you. Huh? Yeah. This wow. run differential thing. I was not taught that when I was. It eventually really matters for the Cardinals. And right now their run <laughs> differential, especially over the last nine games, has been atrocious. They're falling behind early. They're staying behind. They've played 107 half innings. So because they were on the road for a little bit in this 10-game uh, stretch, some of it they only played the eight, right? So 107 half innings over the this losing streak. 
They've led for three of them. Three. Three half innings is how long the Cardinals have led over this nine-game stretch. It's not good, Bob. Awful. Absolutely awful. And their offense is a big part of why. They've got to get more from the offense. It's not just the starting pitching anymore. Now you got to turn your attention to what their lineup's doing as well. This is why when we were talking yesterday and you posed the question to our listeners and, and took mic drops on it, would you rather make a move for a pitcher now or wait to the trade deadline? You make a pitcher, move for a pitcher now, I don't know if that's helping the problems. The problems right now are your offense. I mean, your one through four last night went a total of one for 16 and had four strikeouts, three strikeouts. Like, that can't happen. And I understand everyone goes through ruts. Like, I saw Katie Wu tweeted out, everyone's going to have a bad stretch of baseball, and this just might be it for the Cardinals right now. So by no means am I hitting the panic button or thinking that this whole season is over. But I definitely don't know how aggressive I am if I'm John Mozalak because going out and getting Kyle Gibson isn't going to fix the fact that you went a total of one for four with runners in scoring position. That not only is bad because you went one for four, but that's bad because you only had four times with runners in scoring position. Yeah, they've been really bad with runners in scoring position in this stretch as a whole. For whatever reason, their approach just hasn't been very good in this nine-game stretch. They are striking out 30% of the time when they have a runner in scoring position. It's not just that they're making outs. They're making unproductive outs. Like striking out with a runner scoring. Just put the ball in play. Just get it to the outfield and advance the runner. At least then you're being productive. That's one thing when we talked about Pujols being a potential addition for the Cardinals. Why it made so sense is he's still going to give you an, a professional at bat in those spots. And the Cardinals aren't getting those right now. Imagine last night, and you know how much love I have for John Nagowski. But imagine if instead of Nagowski in that spot where you're pinch hitting, it's Albert Pujols. I would feel a little better. I'd take I'd take Yadier Molina in that spot than John Nagowski. Yeah, but he's hurt right now. No, you know? he was an emergency situation, right? You're down by four runs, and there's three on base. Last night, a trade wouldn't have changed anything for you. I do still believe, Unless and this you... is why I said yesterday, I think they need to make a deal. I think it, the outlook for me is a lot different if you make a trade and you bring in a starter that stabilizes things because you have one starter right now that can stabilize anything for you and it's Adam Wainwright this is a borderline must win tonight I know that sounds strange to say in early June for a team that is having aspirations of making the playoffs if they don't win tonight You've got Johan Oviedo tomorrow against the Cubs, and he's going up against Kyle Hendricks. We know what Kyle Hendricks has done against the Cardinals in the past. And then Saturday in Wrigley, you've got John Gant. You guys feel good about that? I don't. I feel great about that. And then on Sunday in Wrigley on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, you go back to Carlos Martinez. You guys feel good about that right now? I don't feel good about that at all. This could easily become a 10-game losing streak if you don't win tonight. Adam Wainwright needs to go out there and do what aces do, and that's what he's been for you over the last calendar year. He needs to be your ace. He needs to stop the bleeding. It's a lot to put on a guy that is 39 years old. This should not be the role that he has to play, but given the injuries, it's exactly the role he has to play. He's got to win for you tonight. All right, positive thoughts all day here on BK and Ferrario, just taking you up to Cardinals baseball tonight, right? (laughs) I think they're going to do it. The good news is, though, Wainwright's at home. Exactly. Against Cincinnati, what was it? Seven innings, three earned runs. But before that, he had eight innings and no earned runs against the Cubs. Eight and and a third. At home this year, seven starts, 48 innings, 2.5 ERA. Well, I was going to go game by game to make it sound bigger, but okay, we can go big picture there. that's great. It's fine. He's given you an average of seven innings, and he's given you 
better than a quality start every time out. I'll take that. I, I think he's going to be able to bring it home for him tonight, and it's a huge one for him. They, they need it out of Adam Wainwright. Just give him some support. Just get a few runs on the board, <laughs> lessen the pressure. I think that would help immensely. Just get a couple runs in the first couple innings. Maybe some sunscreen and some rosin bag. Only the legal stuff, though. That's legal, right? The sunscreen is. As far as we know. Well, With Alex now. Ferrario, Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Justin Masterson, former Indians and Cardinals starting pitcher, will join the show. He was an all-star back in 2013. There's some pitching storylines, Alex. You think he's available? That are uh, taking place right now. I'm not saying for him to come back oh. and play for the Cardinals, oh, oh but, you know, the, the sunscreen rosin. That's, that's those important. Those things. Yeah. I'm interested to hear Justin Masterson's comments on that. But coming up next, oh boy, the criticism, Alex, of the coaching staff it is coming from all corners of the internet for the Cardinals. Fire Jeff Albert. How much of that is fair right now? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're going to break the record um, that I'm tired of saying this. You know, it's going to sound like a broken record, but we're about to break it because we're about to get hot. We just haven't been able to get, play with the lead. We haven't had a lead basically, you know, in the last stretch of this homestand. So, and in, in the last game in LA, hard to win with, without it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we isolate that little laugh, please? We need that as a drop from now hey, on. We got to win with, without it. <laughs> I love Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service X line. I'm pretty sure. So in the first segment, I said it's hard to win when you don't score very many runs and the opposing team scores a bunch of them. So Brian in Illinois checking in with a dynamite drop in Marty. He said, uh, hmm, scoring less runs than you give up leads fewer wins. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I think Mike Schultz, we can play this one more time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at the end here again. he says the exact same thing that I said in the first segment, basically. He basically goes in and he says, hey, we haven't had a very many leads. You kind of need that to win. And then he did his... <laughs> God, I love Mike Schilt. <laughs> He's the best. Okay, so the Cardinals... Or is he not? Because fans might not like him very much right now. No, nah, I like Mike oh, Schilt. Okay. He's fun. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the Cardinals right now are in a bit of a rut, both offensively and pitching-wise. Defensively, they've been great still, so at least they've got that going for them. One of three. There has been some criticism that I have seen in recent days lofted not only at the typical guy which is jeff albert but also at the pitching coach mike maddox i've seen a little bit of criticism rounding the internet for mike maddox as well and i was reading ben frederickson's chat over on the st louis post dispatch website the other day somebody asked him about it he said the cardinals entered tuesday's game ranked second to last in the majors in strikeouts and they lead the majors in walks by their pitching staff and they also lead the majors in hits hit batsmen one of those three stats would be hard for a pitching coach to defend let alone all three of them happening to the same team. But wait, there's more. This is an infomercial now. And this one continues to be overlooked. I know it's not Mad Dog out there on the mound, but one of the uh, of the 14 pitchers who have made more than 10 appearances for the Cardinals this season, seven of them have an ERA above five. Seven out of the 14 pitchers that have appeared in at least 10 games this year have an ERA over five. End quote again, that came from Ben Fredrickson. I think it's a fair critique of the pitching coach. How much criticism do you think Alex is fair right now, both for Mike uh, Mike Maddox and also for Jeff Albert, the coaching side of things? I don't think there's any. I really don't think there's any. Uh, because, like, why all of a sudden then has it gone from Carlos Martinez, who's able to throw six innings and two earned runs and get quality starts and pick up victories, 
and then it falls off because Mike Maddox just decides to stop coaching him because Mike Maddox tells him, hey, remember what we were teaching you at the beginning of the season? Just forget that. Just do what do what you were doing last year. It's fine. Just go out there and do that. Like, it, that's not how this works. If I'm going to criticize Mike Maddox on anything, it would be the bullpen because the bullpen has had issues. But even that, when we talked with our guy Coop, Don Cooper, who was very expressive with his Italian heritage, Mike Maddox is incredible at what he does. And we saw it this season with John Gant, with Carlos Martinez, with Adam Wainwright, with Jack Flaherty. He's not the problem. Just like I don't think Jeff Albert is fully the problem. Now, last year we were talking about, okay, well, maybe the mindset might not be correct with Jeff Albert of waiting for your pitch and swinging for the fences. Well, it's worked this year, right? Where's the team at in home runs? Because the power that they needed, it's worked this season. So yeah. I don't think there's any criticism that should go towards the pitcher, the pitching coach, the hitting coach. I think this is more the players right now. Here's my question. Who's the guy that you look at and you're like, man, he's severely underperforming my expectations. I think the issue for the Cardinals is personnel, not coaching. Offensively, we, we'll get to that here in a second, but I'm talking pitching-wise. Who's the pitcher for the Cardinals that you have watched this year and you say to yourself, God, that just doesn't make any sense. He was so good and now he's underperforming my expectations. I don't really have one of those guys. Jack Flaherty was very good whenever he was healthy. Adam Wainwright's been solid this year. He's a 39-year-old starter. I can't expect a whole lot more than what we've seen from him. John Gant has been doing his Houdini act all season long. KK has been less impressive than I expected, but I think some of that is injury related. His yeah. back started flaring up in spring training, and now it's flaring up once again. The bullpen, the guys you expected to be good have been good, and the guys that you had questions about, well, they've been up and down inconsistent. I think it's really hard for me to criticize or be super critical, rather, of Mike Maddox when the personnel has been the issue for this team, not necessarily the coaching side of things, that's, at least in my opinion. That's where I'm at on this. And somebody just texted in uh, to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 636. You're high, Ferrario. Maybe, but like, how, how can you criticize Mike Maddox for the last couple of weeks in this losing skid when they were superb at the start of the season in terms of the starting pitching? Like, we weren't talking, we were talking Remember about how that first 17 game stretch yeah. where we were like, hey, the starting pitching's back on track. We were giving T Bone, we were giving him trouble because he was the one that said this pitching staff isn't going to be good. And we're like, T Bone, what are you talking about? Look at it. All five guys are overperforming what we expected from them. So it's, I just, I can't put any criticism on Mike Maddox. Like, yeah, maybe I look at the bullpen and I say, maybe this is where the issues are at. But in terms of starting pitching, this is more personnel for me than anything. And the same thing for me in the bullpen, honestly. As much as we want to talk about how they struggled this year, and there, there are definitely too many walks out there. Absolutely, you will not hear me suggest otherwise. But Ryan Helsley is an up-and-down pitcher at this point in his career. The same thing is true for a guy like Jake Woodford. He's very young. He doesn't have a lot of experience coming out of the bullpen. Tyler Webb was not good this year. He could not find the strike zone, and they decided to remove him from the equation. I just don't know that there is an obvious solution to this coaching-wise. I think it's a personnel issue. They're pitching from a deficit right now. They've just got too many issues. Now let's go over to the offense. Because I think that is where maybe you could have a few critiques of the Cardinals' offense. But again, if you look individually, who are the guys that you would critique him for when it comes to them severely underperforming relative to expectations? I think it once again comes down to they don't have a whole lot of guys that you have a ton of faith in beyond the top four or five in the line. I would say Paul Goldschmidt's performing under expectations, though. 
I think that he's hitting the ball hard, though, and some of this is what we talked about earlier in the year with Matt Carpenter. And by the way, don't look now. Matt Carpenter's been excellent for the Cardinals since the month, of, since the start of the month of May. Let Carp cook. He's been really good for him. In, in this new role, he is not overexposed. He's been perfectly fine for the Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill has taken that jump. You've seen a jump from both uh, Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson. The young guys that we said that we were going to judge him on, those are the guys that it appears are taking that leap that we all expected or hoped for. So I, I'm i having a hard time criticizing him for that, too. Like, am I supposed to be critical of him for Justin Williams not being a good hitter? No, I don't think it's critical about individuals with Jeff Albert. I think maybe more of the criticism comes in with the runners in scoring position. Like, like hitting under That's pressure. Fair. Now, I don't know if there's a stat for that. Is there like an expectant pressure hitting moment in baseball that you don't haven't told me about yet? But if there is... I'd love to see what the numbers are on that because hitting when the pressure is on, Cardinals have not performed very well in this last skid and really all season long. So there is a... Oh my um, God, there is? <laughs> How is there a stat for this? So there's not exactly what you're talking about, but there is a stat of, on fan graphs, you can look at the high leverage situations and what you do in high leverage spots. So in those particular situations this year, uh, the Cardinals have been one of the 10 worst teams in the sport, batting 220. That's where I would be critical of Jeff Albert. But again, it goes back to the Mike Maddox conversation. How can you be critical of Jeff Albert on that? He's not the one that's hitting at the plate. That's those players. Yeah. They have a 667 OPS this season in high leverage situations. Here's a quick look at the teams that have been worse. It's a Ooh, Total God, hodgepodge. I don't want to know. Arizona, Baltimore, okay. Minnesota. Those okay. make sense. Now listen to these teams. Milwaukee, San Diego, Chicago, the Cubs, and Washington. So there's some really good teams at the bottom of this list as well. You the only one that doesn't make sense in that list, though, is Chicago right now. In San Diego. Well, San Diego, though, they've kind of underperformed. With I mean, they, they get their runs off of home runs. When there's runners in scoring position, I don't know how good they are. They've been struggling lately with yeah. runners in scoring position. It's been their biggest issue. And I guess the Cubs started that way this season, so I can understand be- them being down at the bottom. I would also add, I don't hear a whole lot of people calling for the San Diego Padres to fire their hitting coach. Well, that's because it doesn't really matter who the hitting coach is. <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. is still going to hit home runs every game. That's a fair point. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I would like to hear from you guys uh, via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature as well. What? Where are you at on the coaching staff? How much criticism is fair for the coaching staff? I also wanted to mention this really quick, Alex. Earlier today, Xavier Scruggs, the former um, Cardinals player, was on with Carriker and Smallman, and they asked him about the rut that the Cardinals are in right now. And I thought he brought up a really interesting point. It's something we discussed a bit yesterday. There's opportunity for the team, especially going into – the middle of this month going again after they get done playing the Cubs, playing Miami, and then you have an Atlanta, then you have a Detroit, uh, the P- Pittsburgh, and then an Arizona, and then a Colorado. So those series, they have to really take advantage of because those are against some weaker teams. And I feel like if they're able to really take off during that time, they will be just fine. They have five days to figure this out. If you lose three out of four against Cleveland and Chicago over the next five days, whatever. it is what it is, right? You went up against a couple quality opponents. You were beat up, banged up. It happens. But if you go into those series against Miami, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado, and if you're not able to take advantage of those teams, that's when we're getting a lot of texts today. Are you guys ready to join the panic bus? Are you hitting the panic button? 
if they struggle in those series, then yes, I will absolutely be joining all of you on the panic bus, hitting the panic button from the driver's seat of the panic bus. Wow. Like that, That's I will, eerily specific. <laughs> I will be all in on the panic. But until then, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there. This team is still, even today, a game over 500. They are not dropping too far back within the NL Central. I don't think any of these teams are complete teams. But I will add, it has been frustrating for me to watch the Cardinals struggle offensively against the Reds when the Reds are known for their terrible pitching and defense. It has been frustrating for me last night. It was frustrating for me last night to watch the Cardinals go up against the Indians who have been terrible offensively all year long. And then they gave up 10 runs against that version of the Cleveland Indians. So if you continue doing this and you struggle offensively against the Tigers who stink pitching wise, you struggle against uh, Pittsburgh and Arizona and Colorado, that that is when I'm going to continue to say, okay, it's time to jump on the panic bus. With Alex Ferrario, Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Coming up next, though. Justin Masterson was a 2013 All-Star. He pitched for both the Indians and the Cardinals. What does he think about the biggest story in the sport right now of these pitchers that are using a foreign substance to maybe increase their spin rate a bit? We'll ask Justin Masterson about that next on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Questions and answers coming up here in just about 15 minutes. But right now, we are very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by former Indians and Cardinals starting pitcher. He is Justin Masterson, and he was a 2013 All-Star for Cleveland. Justin, we sincerely appreciate the time today, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. Yeah, appreciate you having a washed-up guy on the radio. <laughs> no, we're thrilled to have you. So I, I am curious, Justin, I know your time here in St. Louis was brief, but uh, what was your season like here in, in 2014? What was that experience like for you? Well, it was an enjoyable experience. I mean, St. Louis, I mean, they they do things top-notch, so it was really neat to be able to be there. I mean, playing with, you know, Adam Wainwright, who, you know, he's still doing his thing. He's on the mound tonight, but just an incredible guy. And and we really, my family came out for a little bit and had some fun. I wasn't as healthy as I would have liked, but I was still able to help win a couple games. We were able to go to the playoffs. Of course, didn't go as far as we would have liked, but uh, it was just a really enjoyable experience being in St. Louis. Well, and I'm sure a memorable playoffs for you, and I know a lot of Cardinals fans, because that was the year that the, the Cardinals took down the Dodgers in the first round, and yes, they lost to the Giants, but just being in postseason action with St. Louis, Justin, I mean, you saw postseason with some other teams, but what was the difference from other teams compared to St. Louis Cardinals postseason play? I mean, it, well, I mean, the, the intensity was great, and there was intensity coming in lots of places, but I, I don't know. I just love, I love Yadier Molina, <laughs> and, and just because I still remember when we were playing the Dodgers and you know, Adrian Gonzalez was trying to, to talk a little bit. And, and that was when, um, you know, Yachty just gets up in his face and like, Hey man, you want to say something you say it to me. <laughs> and the benches didn't clear per se, but it was pretty close. And Adrian just kind of shrieked back and was like, okay, Yachty, you know, you, whatever you want. <laughs> and I, I, he's just, he's just such an incredible talent that it was, it was really neat. Not just being in St. Louis and being with Yachty, but then just the playoff experience with that and, you know, the energy, the passion. I mean, what the fans bring to the table in St. Louis, 
was was just incredible and being able to play there. So that, br- that's what made it really neat. Can you bring us inside uh, some of those meetings that you had with Yadier Molina? What is it like to throw to him? But, yeah, it's it's really easy in one sense. I mean, it's like, hey, Poppy, just 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 follow me, man. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just just follow. I I, I still remember, and I don't think this is folklore. This isn't me personally, but when we were there, and Carlos Martinez, where I know he threw through yesterday, but he's out on the mound. He's shaking off Yachty quite a bit, and Yachty just gives him the like, hey, man, you know what? Just throw whatever you want. I will catch it. This is a Major League Baseball game, and Yachty's, I mean, Tsunami's throwing 96, 97 sink balls, and he's like, just throw whatever you want. I'll catch it. And so for that inning, he threw it every one, and Yachty just catched it great. They get through it. I mean, that, that – I, I don't know how you how you how you top that. How you deal with that? Like that guy's just staking incredible. Justin, I'm curious. You spent nine seasons pitching in the American League, and then of course the one season in the National League with the Cardinals. Is there a noticeable difference for a pitcher from the American League to the National League? Well, the I think the biggest notable difference is, and I and I know St. Louis pitchers, you know, pride themselves and still do in their ability to hit. But in that overall sense, there's there's almost like there's an easy out. Like the way you strategize and things, you know, knowing that the pitcher's in the lineup, even if a pitch hitter's coming in, it it, it gives you a, a, a little bit of hope. Because even if you're having your worst day and, you know, if there's a couple outs and it could be a guy on first, I mean, you could walk the bases loaded just to get to the pitcher if it's early in the scenario. So, I, again, I, I don't I don't mind pitchers hitting. I mean, it allowed me to get you know an RBI and a <laughs> score run, but but it is it is definitely a different game uh, when you have that that designated hitter in there. It just kind of switches up the way way you think about things. And you know, which one do I enjoy more? I don't know. I think they're both both very fun, which is why I like being able to go to the National League and feel that for a little bit, having come from the American League. Justin Masterson is our guest here on 101 ESPN, former Indians and briefly Cardinals starting pitcher. He was an all-star back in 2013. Uh, Justin, I did want to ask you, it sounds like you've been paying attention to what the Cardinals have been doing this year. What, what's your impression of the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, you know, and inconsistent is, is what, what my impression would be. We actually, on, on the staff I'm with, uh, Fishers High School here in Indiana, uh, the pitching coach, because I'm just the bullpen coach, but our pitching coach, huge Cardinals fan. So, so he's he's been highly disappointed at certain points in times during the season. I mean, off, offensively, just not kicking on all cylinders as as much as you like, making some mistakes. Pitching hasn't been as consistent. I mean, tsunami last night, you know, not not having the outing he'd like, or, or probably the season he'd like to be having at at this point in time. But you know, it's. It's always a tough time, but the thing about this year is it's a full season again. And what makes the Cardinals usually so great is their ability to be resilient throughout because you have some veteran guys who know what it takes for a long season, and then they end up putting it together and doing some great things by the end of the year. Justin, the Cardinals, of course, dealing with a lot of injuries this season to the pitching staff. I'm just curious from a player's perspective, take me into the locker room if you don't mind. Like, what's the what's the consensus among the healthy pitchers when you know that you're missing a lot of guys and you know it's a daunting task to take on for the next couple of weeks? Well, the unfortunate thing that can kick in is is you feel like you got to do more. You know, especially if you lose some some big guys or even just somebody who's been helping out. So 
if, if there's, you know, maybe some injuries happen in the bullpen too, like, you know what? All right, I got to go out there and I got to pitch my tail off because I'm going to take this team on my back and, and just go slice and dice. Whereas, you know, after you sit back and look at it or you're able to step away, it's a lot easier to say, well, just just be you. Just pitch your game. Whatever you get into, do it. But but most of the time you're trying to put on your back because you see the hitters, you know, the hitters will go out and score you some runs, and then the pitching is not good, and you're like, oh, man, come on, pitchers. Like, let's step up. And, you know, it happens for the reverse also. But but that, that's that's the hard part about being in it. Everyone thinks they need to do more. Uh, or, you know, a young guy coming up thinks he's got to execute things that he never executed before. When, I mean, I, I still remember, and it's one of the things, too, when Josh Beckett told me when I first came into the league, he's like, hey, man, Ryan Dempster told me this. What made you good down there is going to make you good here. Don't change. Don't try and be anything different. And, and I think that's a hard thing to, to stay with. Uh, but if you can remember that and hold on to that, that will help you, help you have a lot of success. Justin Masterson is our guest here on 101 ESPN for another couple of minutes. Uh, Justin, I did want to ask you, we're, we've got a sports center on in the studio that we're in right now, and Jeff Passon's on the air talking about the, the story that's kind of surrounding the sport, which is <laughs> the substances that uh, pitchers are apparently using. And I know this has been a thing in baseball for a long time, but now there is this spider tack that they're talking about that apparently increases your spin rate by like 30%. How prevalent, based on your understanding, is this stuff in the sport? And what's your opinion of baseball deciding to crack down on this now? Well, I'll start with the bit of baseball starting to crack down on it now. Uh, in one sense, it's just trying to always trying to help out the hitters. And this is coming from a pitcher. <laughs> but, but, but you think about it, and you know, hitters have adjusted their style because it gets them paid, which is fine. You know, they want to hit homers, and, and that does the thing. So no one's no one's doing your old school. Let me see if I can drive the ball to right field. Let me just see if I can, you know, choke up a little bit, make things happen. You know, everyone's kind of still in that big hitter type mode. And so because of that, you're going to see, you know, a 10 to one like yesterday, or you'll see the reverse. Like you'll see a one to nothing where, where no one gets hit or the no hitters that have been taking place this year. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think they're just trying to hide the fact that, okay, hitters are not doing well. They don't want to make the adjustment. How can we even the playing field for them by taking things away from pitchers? Uh, how prevalent is it? Uh, in some capacity, I mean, something, there's rosin. You get rosin out of the mound. Uh, the spider tag, I mean, I, I don't know how big or extreme that is. But the whole, my whole point is the idea that hitters don't want to make adjustments. So, the, you know, the league is going to say, okay, how can we shut something down and, and allow it to, to maybe somewhat even that playing field? I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. What do you it's think? About, uh, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what yeah. do you think it's going to? Uh, what do you think it's going to impact games day to day? Because I think the report now is like uh, there could be a possible check from umpires with the pitchers five to eight times throughout the game. And I mean, people already are talking about trying to speed up the game and to stop slowing it down. That seems like it's just going to impact pitchers and hitters in a game more, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this because what, what am I going to do? Well, don't so it's pitching, you know, let's say Adam Wainwright tomorrow's pitching or today is pitching really, really good. Well, seventh inning, you know what? Let's try and break up his rhythm. Why don't you go check him? I think I see something on his hat. Could you go maybe change his hat? I mean, that's kind of a, a bad 
you know, in the overall scheme of baseball, a bad move, but well, well, why not? I have the opportunity and that's what, so, so how are we going to slow it? A hitter's going to be up to be, Oh, I think I see something out there just to try and change up the rhythm and timing. It, I, it has the potential of being absolutely ridiculous. And I think there's enough baseball guys who are smart enough in the game that will hopefully try and make it ridiculous. So then they have to change the way they're doing it. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. No, it makes a ton of sense. I've got a feeling Tony LaRusso is already <laughs> like game planning. How do I make this kind of slow down the game to make this go away? Last follow up that I've got for you, Justin, I, you said that you're you're doing some um, bullpen coaching with a high school right now. When you look at the, I would imagine you guys are doing some of the Rapsodo stuff. I know that's kind of made its way down into the, the, the lower levels. When you look at the spin rates that these guys are using, and, and it sounds like that's kind of the number one driving factor behind this is the increased spin rates is what they talk so much about. How significant is that? Like for, for the, the common fan out there that doesn't totally understand the spin rate stuff, how important is it that this increases it by like 30% or whatever they're saying? Well, I mean, it, it is extremely, it's extremely important. I mean, we, we do look at the spin rate. I mean, I did have some more old school because spin rate was just kind of being heavily talked about as I was kind of leaving. And I was a sinker guy, so my spin rates were always messed up anyways. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> but for these young guys coming up to, to see the spin rate, as you can, if you can increase that, I mean, the ball's spinning. And so if you know your you know, physics and stuff, like it, it gives a perception that the ball just stays on plane, so it doesn't sink down. So a guy trying to hit on top of it, he's going to be underneath of it. It's going to be coming in like it's, you know, maybe 92, but it feels like it's 94. You know, it, it, the old school way we look at it is like, oh, man, the ball really gets on somebody or it seems to stay up in the zone and it just accelerates up there. Well, now they have the way to talk about that. And, and, and you can see it. Like certain guys, if you, if you look deeply into the numbers and, and how that adjusts, and when, when it changes for them, like if they're at a certain spin rate and they had this success and then the spin rate goes up and how much greater success they've had. I mean, they, of course, now they're, they're doing that with a lot of pitchers. But, yeah, at our level, at the high school, we talk about that. But, but when you're working with me too, man, it's like, hey, you just got to be a dude and go out there and get the people out too. Like you can talk spin rate all you want, but if you can't throw something in the strike and you don't have some cojones to go out there and just let the ball eat, well, you're not going to have much success anyways. I love it. That That is something that the Cardinals could use in their bullpen right now is guys that just throw strikes. Yeah, Justin, you think you want to come out of retirement, <laughs> yeah. buddy, and pitch for the Cardinals? They need some help right now. You got a few innings in you. They've got a couple injuries taking place right now. Hey, no, we got uh, we just won regionals here, so we got semi-state on Saturday, and then we got the state. You know, hopefully we'll win that game against Munster and then be in the state finals uh, the, the next week after that. So we got some cool stuff happening you here. got some big things then. Congrats on that, Justin. That's awesome, buddy. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Justin, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Let's do this again soon. All the best to you. Good luck in the uh, the next round, and we'll talk with you soon, my friend. Hey, sounds good. We've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now to 65780. It's VK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this from the 618. Hey, Alex, if Colorado loses the series against Vegas, do you think that would make it more likely that they decide to move on from Landeskog and let McKinnon be the captain? By the way, if you didn't watch yeah. that game last night, it was it was tremendous. How about this, man? I mean, Colorado, that was a must-win 
last night, in my opinion, because the series was tied 2-2. They lose that in Colorado, so now it goes back to Vegas, where Vegas has been one of the best home teams all year, and it's a sold-out crowd. Colorado might be heading to the golf course after tomorrow night. But regardless to, to the question, I actually think it, it works against the possibility of getting Landeskog if they lose this series, because I'll compare it to what the Blues have with Alex Petrangelo. They win the cup. Alex Petrangelo becomes a free agent the year after. You know, you, you, you've you accomplished the goal that you wanted to accomplish. Now you're a free agent, and now you can kind of market yourself and say, ah, oh, well, we got this. Now I want to get my money. Now, and whatever it may be with Petro, we don't know. Flexibility, security, all of I these things. I think that's going to come down to Gabriel Landeskog because, look, Landeskog is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and if I'm not mistaken, he's about, what, 29 years old? He's going to be 29 next so year. So he'll be 29 if you win the cup, I think if you're Gabriel Landis, you're like, man, I'm 29. I just want a Stanley Cup. They're not going to have the money to pay me. I think a team will pay a Stanley Cup champion captain more money. I'm going to hit free agency. Whereas if you were that close to winning the cup and Run you're an back. unrestricted free agent, you're like, man, this might be the closest I'm going to get to it because you know how good this team is. So you maybe do like a discounted price for a couple of years to see if you can win a cup. So I think Colorado loses in the second round. I think that's more of a sign and a likelihood that Landis guy goes back to Colorado. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Alex Wabas, Ferrario five for today. The five lessons from the 2021 NHL postseason thus far for the blues, how they apply to the blues. We'll get into those coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. Hey guys, when you look at the Cardinals, is it fair to criticize what their coaching staff has done when it comes to specifically Jeff Albert and Mike Maddox. We talked about this a little bit earlier today as well, Alex. I just don't, I just. Great. Hope you guys have a great day. I can't criticize these guys because I saw positive steps earlier in the season. So obviously the coaching was working. For me, it's just, it's so hard to believe that, that things are working with a coaching mentality and then all of a sudden it goes away. So the coaching starts to suck. Like, I, a perfect example is Tyler O'Neill, right? Tyler O'Neill coming into the season has been a dud for a lot of people. They've been like, move on from the guy. Me, now, I, now, I certainly was a part of that. Now he's in all-star conversation. And are, are you going to blame Jeff Albert or give credit to Jeff Albert for that? And when he struggles, are you going to start blaming Jeff Albert? I don't think so. I, I think the success is showing that the coaching is working. Also, it ties into the player. But when he starts to struggle, that's not just the coach. That's the player struggling. Like, every player goes through these. We've talked with numerous of them. I just can't put criticism on either the pitching or the hitting coach because we've seen signs of success earlier. It's funny because if you look kind of at the back of the baseball card for a lot of these Cardinals so far this season, they are starting to round into the players that we expected them to be. Tommy Edmond, he's batting 270, but he doesn't have a ton of power. It's kind of the player I expected him to be coming into the season. You look at what Nolan Arenado's done this year. He's got an 840 OPS right around where we would have expected him to be. Paul Goldschmidt is maybe the exception to this. He has not had the power that we were expecting coming into the season, but he's also getting up there in age a little bit. And I know there were some trends that showed this might be the way that it was going for him. I also think the power is going to start heating up here pretty soon. Dylan Carlson, 780 OPS, 270 hitter pretty much what we expected Tyler O'Neill now is showing a ton of power he does not walk and he strikes out a ton these guys are starting to meet kind of where their expectations were there were some that started off slow others that started off really hot and now they're meeting in the middle where we expected them to be so 
it's hard for me to really criticize too much what we've seen from Jeff Albert this year. You brought it up earlier. It was a great point, Alex. The one place that I do wonder, is this a philosophical issue, is with runners in scoring position. Because yeah. Jeff Albert has told, I remember reading this from a Derek Gould story. He told Derek Gould, hey, you know, situational hitting, we keep our same approach. We want to hit the ball hard. We want to find the pitch that we can hit and hit it hard. Well, isn't that the spot where you should be looking for a productive out potentially? Like, runner on third, one or zero outs, just get the runner home. Mm -hmm. I don't care how you do it. If that means getting a sack fly there, you got to get that run in. And too many times this year, we saw it a couple of days ago where it was bases are loaded, no outs, top of the order coming up, and you score zero runs in that spot. That's the situation where I think if you're criticizing Jeff Albert, it's those spots that make it fair. You know, and to that point, and I remember when TJ Oshi was in St. Louis and he he had talked to the media about just the coaching style from Ken Hitchcock, and he made a comment that kind of went viral of, you know, it might be just information overload for the guys and the struggles that they're in. I wonder if you're going to be critical of Jeff Albert. I wonder if it's information overload for these guys, especially in the in the in the big time situations or the clutch situations for these hitters. Like, I wonder if it's overload of information for these guys of, oh, well, you need to do this with this guy and this with rather than like what Torrey Hunter has told us in the past. Just go up there and hit Justin Masterson. Just go out there and pitch. Maybe they need a lessen the information overload and just start letting these guys do what they need to do up there i don't know like i said i'm just trying to find something into what's going on i just can't put it all on jeff albert he's alex ferrario that's marty jenkins i'm brandon kiley coming up next i've been very surprised by some of the pushback that i've seen to this foreign substance story i get it from the pitching side of things justin masterson being opposed to this that makes all the sense in the world to me what about the media aren't we the ones that wanted these kinds of changes we'll talk we're going to be seeing policing of this. I was told today by a source that this is not a matter of weeks. It's not a matter of days, but sometime in the next week to 10 days or so, we're going to be seeing umpires going out there and checking for foreign substances on pitchers. So that was Jeff Passan yesterday, late last night on SportsCenter, talking about how Major League Baseball has decided, here we go, we are officially going to start cracking down on these substances that we are seeing pitchers use. And the one that has really come into the forefront is this spider tech, which is apparently a substance that pitchers are using to get an even better grip on the baseball. And Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers in the sport, is apparently one of the guys that reportedly you know, may have dabbled with this in the past. So he was asked about it yesterday. He was available to the media. You know, New York media is not going to shy away from asking the tough questions. Here's what it sounded like when he was asked about using spider tech. Have you ever used spider tech while pitching? Um, I don't, I don't know. I I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that, have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard and stood pretty firm in in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate, some more stuff that's a conversation that we can have because 
ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction. You know what this was? This was when you get the assignment in school that says, hey, I need you to write a thousand word essay and you can sum it up in 200 words and then the next 800 words is just total BS to try and forget the crap that you put at the beginning of the paper. Yeah, so he's used it. Like, let's be honest. That That's what that was. That was him saying without actually saying it. Yeah, yeah so I used, I used that spider tech stuff. It was really great for me. And now I'm trying to figure out how to pitch without it. Like, Garrett, just, just, have you ever used spider tech? Yup. And move on. God bless him for it. Whatever. It, it was technically against the rules, but nobody actually checked the stuff. So whatever, right? Like, I'm not going to fault the guy for doing something that was within at least the construct of the game at the time now things are changing and i think it's for the best alex how much time have we spent over the last let's say five years talking about hey how do we get more action in the game how do we get more offense in baseball because that's what people want right fantasy football why is it so popular because there's more action there's more offense people love seeing touchdowns right in baseball, that's what we're lacking right now. There's the three true outcomes. It's not the most enjoyable way to watch games. And so Jeff Passan, once again, was on SportsCenter last night, and he was asked by Scott Van Pelt, I think an important question in this entire conversation, hey, how much is this actually going to change what we're watching? Is this going to impact offense in any tangible way? I was talking with a pitcher yesterday, Scott, and he said that, at some point in the last couple of years, he had gone up to a teammate and said to him, what if I told you you could hit five more home runs a year and add 20 points to your batting average and you have to do absolutely nothing to do it? And the hitter looks at him, he says, okay, what's the catch? And the pitcher says back to him, we need to stop using the sticky stuff. If you wanna ask how much of a correction there can be, I think it is enormous i think it is demonstrable and i think if major league baseball there is going to be a jump in offense that we see from this point forward if that is true if what jeff passan just said and the story that he heard from a pitcher in the clubhouse is true baseball might have just fixed its biggest issue yep by changing nothing for us as viewers. I know every day when we talk about changing the game and the rules and all of these different things, we get texters that are like, I don't want to see a change to the game. I'm a traditionalist, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're, a, if you're a viewer, you're not involved in the game, but it's just us as fans on the outside, right? This changes nothing for us. Maybe there are, as you said earlier, Alex, a few more stopping points during the game. But if I think you, you could check those before the, the pitcher even enters the game. During the commercial break. Yeah. When, again, as viewers, it doesn't change anything for us. I'm with you on that. If that is, even if, though, the, there is a couple of delays in this in the game, there are stoppages. If I have to trade 30, 45 seconds every once in a while, maybe once every three weeks over the course of the Cardinal season for a 20% spike in offense, five more home runs from your average hitter, yeah, I will do that every day of the week. Where do I sign up? And so when I saw this tweet from Joe Sheehan, who I have a lot of respect for, he's a great baseball mind, he said Major League Baseball is taking a potential post-pandemic feel-good season and turning it into four months of cheating stories. It's pathetically on brand. No, sir. What baseball's trying to do here is they're trying to, without changing a single rule, fix their biggest problem in the game. They're trying to get more action in the game, which is what all of us have been spending countless hours writing and talking and gas bagging about for years. And once baseball finally actually does something towards that end, 
now we're going to criticize the sport for doing it. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know that they're going to be able to police it. But kudos for, for to baseball for finding out that they've got a problem and actually doing something about it. I got to give credit where it is due. Again, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to change as much as Jeff Passan suggested. But if there's a possibility that it does, they should absolutely be cracking down on this. Look, the biggest complaint from people who watch baseball, younger people, the younger generation that are trying to get into baseball is that it's too slow. It's too boring, right? Like that's what everyone's complaint is. Regardless if you love baseball or not, that's what the problem is in terms of Major League Baseball side of it. If this is true, we're talking more excitement. We're talking more action. We're talking more offense. It's not going to significantly change a pitcher situation. Maybe on some guys it will, but maybe that weeds out guys that make majors that don't make the majors. But what it's going to do is it's going to create that action once again. You're going to see more singles. You're going to see more doubles. You're going to see more contact, less strikeouts. That's been the biggest concern. So, yeah, I don't see an issue with this. And frankly, I'm surprised that there would be pushback on this because the beginning of all of this, it's been, well, they need to fix it, mandate it, do something about it. And now it's, oh, well, Major League Baseball is trying to put this big block mark on the game because of these issues no they're trying to fix this and they're trying to make it more exciting and they're trying to make sure after what all of the stars are saying mike trout trevor bauer clayton kershaw everyone who's talking they're trying to make it an even playing field and i think that's the more important part if i'm gonna watch and put my heart and soul into this i want an even playing field it's important to remember what is taking place from pitchers according to the rules is cheating it is. It hasn't been regulated as such over the years. It is very similar, and I heard Jamie Rivers mention this the other day on the fast lane. It's a good point. This isn't all that different than steroids. Now, it's been regulated differently, and now we have the benefit of hindsight, being able to look back 20 years ago and saying, oh boy, can you believe that? Their heads were huge. They were hitting these bombs. Like, how did we not see that in the moment? And we're going to eventually look back on this era in baseball and be like, Man, there were 3,000 more strikeouts than hits in a baseball season. There were seasons in which there were significantly more strikeouts than hits. How did we not know there was something funny going on with what the pitchers were doing? Like, of course there was. This is cheating. And so baseball going out there and saying, we're going to crack down on this. It's a smart decision. It's what they absolutely should be doing. And I... I give credit to Rob Manfred, who certainly has not gotten a lot of credit for th- from this show and should not be getting a lot of credit for a lot of things. But this is a problem for the game, and they're cracking down on it, and hopefully it has the impact that Jeff Passan was talking about. And if it does, I think we're all going to be looking back on this two, three, five years from now as being a monumental shift within the game. And if it ends up being that, some of this nonsense that we're seeing down in the minor leagues, the you can't pick off more than twice in an inning and we're expanding the bags and mound visits, all of these different things. Maybe you don't have to implement all that crap. Maybe it ends up just being, instead of using this spider tack, guys are actually going back to using bullfrog and rosin. And it ends up being something that completely changes the complexion of the sport. It makes it more entertaining. Like an actual bullfrog. Maybe like, I think the PETA might have something to say. That was warts that you got then. Those are toads. aren't they? The horny toad. Yep, that's where you get the warts. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, let's get into a Ferrario 5, the five lessons that Alex has learned for the Blues in this 2021 NHL postseason. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN.
Alex is ready for his Ferrari 05. This is good music, man. Marty Jenkins over here just killing it on the ones and twos. Today, we are getting Alex's five lessons from the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs and how they apply to your St. Louis Blues. So, Alex, what do we have to kick us off in your Ferrari 05 today? Another Ferrari 05 back-to-back days. Marty, hit the music. You just got it. Uh, That was all you get. That's all I get. Okay, that's fine. Number five, boys. You like this one. First thing that came to mind for me. Size still matters, boys. Still matters. Don't let anybody tell you differently, especially in the playoffs. That was what the Blues were lacking. Size in front of the net, size in front of their own net. Look at the teams that have advanced so far. Montreal, who just really wiped the floor with the Winnipeg Jets. Carey Price, he's got guys in front of him named Jeff Petrie, who was injured in that game, but still a very big, tall, physical defenseman. Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, anybody? Heard of that guy, guy, right? Corey Perry, a big power forward in front of the net. You got to find the right mix of speed and size. So the first thing that I learned is if you want to have success in the playoffs, you got to be a big, heavy team still. And I know people looked at it and said, well, maybe the Blues need to go into speed more. No, well, look at what happened with the Colorado Avalanche right now. They're down 3-2. Now, they could still come back in the series, still an elite talent. But Vegas, with their size, has outplayed Colorado. Especially on the back end. Tampa just beat a Carolina Hurricanes that utilizes speed with their size. Victor Hedman, Pat Maroon. They got some elite talent, but you got to have that size. And I think that's one of the most important things that I took away from the playoffs so far in this one. So that was my first one, BK. The second one in my Ferrari 05 is there might be some legit names in free agency. And I know we've been talking about going big game hunting in the offseason for a trade to help the Blues find a number one left winger. And I still think that's a viable option. But looking at that second line, we talked about this a couple of days ago where the Blues still need some depth with scoring. And I don't know if Jaden Schwartz is that player. Because Brandon Saad has seven goals in the playoffs so far. He's putting up a Jaden Schwartz-esque postseason. And, and that's on top of any, a really sensational regular season with Colorado. He was bumped up to the first line last night with Colorado because Landeskog wasn't getting it done with that line of McKinnon and Rantanen. Kyle Palmieri has six goals so far in the playoffs. This is another name that I think could match the blue system in a second line position. And there are other names that are going to present themselves in terms of free agency, but I think when people originally thought about going into free agency this year, they were thinking, ah, there's really not too many great names out there. But the playoffs have told me that there might be some names that Doug Armstrong can look at and say, hey, we could get a guy for four or five million dollars that brings us 30 goals because I think Sod or Palmieri can do that for the Blues. Brandon Sod has played in 90 career playoff games. 90. Well, and he's won two cups, if I'm not mistaken. He won two of the three with Chicago. Yeah, it's amazing what he's been able to do in the postseason. And in those 90 career playoff games, he has 25 goals. That's pretty damn good for a guy that's in the postseason. And if you look at his play, Plus minus in that span. I know plus minus is a flawed stat. I totally get that. But sometimes it can tell a bit of a story. He's a plus 20 in his career in the postseason. That's really impressive, man. He's a guy that I've had my eye on. We've talked about him a a bunch, but I've had my eye on him quite a bit over the last few months now. I think he makes so much sense for the Blues. And you could say the same thing about Palmieri, but if you're kind of stacking those guys up big board-wise, Brandon Saad is probably right up at the top of my list. 100% with you. So that's my second one. My third one, BK, is goaltending is still important. And I know that seems like such a stupid thing to learn from this one, but you got to have a legit number one goaltender. I mean, what Carey Price has done in the playoffs is is 
really, it's about as impressive as what Jordan Bennington did as a rookie because Carey Price is a guy that people have said he's overpaid, shouldn't be in the NHL anymore, he's not going to win a cup. I mean, he just completely went through Toronto and Winnipeg with a 1.97 goals against average. Marc-Andre Fleury with Vegas, uh, Philip Grubauer with Colorado. I mean, these guys are showing that that number one goaltender, you got to have guys who can steal some hockey games for you. And I, I forgot if it was Vasilevsky last night or if it was... Uh, the the Islanders Varlamov a couple of nights ago, but the guy saw 44 shots on goal in three periods, and I think he allowed two goals. Like, that's the type of performance you need. And I know I've been the biggest Bennington backer, but watching these guys perform, Bennington has to get to that other level. And it combines into the size mattering still because you need some big guys that clear the front of the net, but you need your goaltender to rob some games, and we've seen that in the playoffs a lot this year. Can we add to that? I mean, if you're, if you're going with the, the goalie situation in Montreal – Carey Price makes $10.5 million per year. Can we officially just stop with the you can't pay stars, star money, and win a cup? Because Montreal has paid Carey Price $10.5 million. Vegas, who I think is going to eventually make it out of this division, they've got Mark Stone at $9.5 million and Alex Petrangelo at 8.8. You look over at Tampa, they also have a super expensive uh, goalie. He's making $9.5 million per season. They also have Kucherov, who's making $9.5 million dollars per season you look over to boston and they don't have that top end guy but they they've will, got a though. bunch of dudes that are yeah. in that seven to eight million dollar range i don't know how much pasternak makes right now when he's a free agent but my man's gonna get close to eight or nine million dollars that's seven right now and they've got multiple guys that are kind of in that range so as much as we talk about how you can't pay one dude a ton of money Th- yeah. you, you can find ways to make this work even when you have that star so if the blues a reason why i bring this up if the Blues were to make a big-time deal this offseason and they got Matthew Kachuk, who we talked about yesterday, he's going to make $7 million this year, and it's probably going to end up being a $9 million contract after that. When he gets that contract extension, that's what he's going to be looking for. That would be okay. It's all right to overextend yourself a little bit as long as they are truly star players. And Carey Price is right up yep, there. you got to get list. guys who are difference makers. And right now, the ones you just named, and by the way, Sidney Crosby, I think, just became the most uh, career-earning a historical player in the NHL and I understand he only makes 8.7 million dollars but that's because he wants to make 8.7 million dollars but you've made the most money out of anybody in the NHL in your career guess what he's won three cups so there's a reason when guys get paid because they they have the success to win Stanley Cups and I think that's where you're you're coming from right now yeah the thing we've got to remember is no he didn't make 10 million dollars in those seasons where they, they won the cup but he goes anywhere else he's going to and, and like forget about that percentage of the cap no right. it wasn't the if you're looking at like the total dollar figure it wasn't the same as what we're talking about with some of these guys but in relative to what the cap was that year it was actually more well it was more significant and also understand that at the time Sidney Crosby took that money because they had other superstars who were making very similar money like Evgeny Malkin was making nine million dollars Chris Letang was making close to eight and a half million dollars combined with those three players that's 25 million dollars whereas if you go to another team where one guy's making 10 million and another guy's making six well you're still paying those guys the same amount of money you're just getting the quality that comes with it so in 2009 when they won the Stanley Cup the salary cap for the NHL was $57 million. Sidney Crosby accounted for $9 million that year. That's almost 20% of the salary cap. That's insane compared to what you're talking about in today's game where the projected uh, the, the cap space that teams have is about $82 million. Yeah. 
So a 20% cap hold right now would be like $15 million. So, yeah, if you're looking at the percentage of the cap instead of just the overall dollar figure, you can win with these expensive dudes. All right, sorry, I have derailed us. No, you're fine. You got two more for the Ferrari So the other one I I came up with, the stories that I took away from this, is the Central Division is going to be stacked next year. And, And I know we've talked about this, but watching Colorado perform and then watching the other teams that have been in the playoffs. And look, I know they haven't advanced, but Minnesota nearly got to the next round. Nashville nearly got to the next round. Those three teams, on top of the fact that Arizona comes into the league next year, on top of the fact that Winnipeg went to the second round, I mean, you're talking about four spots for a playoffs out of six teams. You might not be making the playoffs next year unless you do have a big offseason because all of these teams are just going to get better. And number one on the Ferrario five takeaways from the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs as it relates to the Blues is... That's a really long title. There's only a few moves that need to happen for the Blues to have this window open and compete with these teams in the Cup. And I think the fact that Vegas is doing what they're doing to Colorado makes this that much more prevalent. I think this team needs to solidify their top six, which if you're able to go out there and get yourself a top line winger to play with O'Reilly and Perron, like we've talked about with Matthew Kachuk, if you're able to find a secondary piece, whether at Schwartz or you get Saad or Palmieri, and you get yourself one big defenseman to play on the blue line, we're talking about a team that can compete with Colorado, whomever is going to be in first place in that central division. The Blues are not that far away, and I know people aren't going to agree with me. I got people chirping me already about Jordan Bennington not being an average goaltender. You go out there and you make three moves this offseason outside of the guys you got to resign. We're talking about a team that can compete for a cup next what year. What if they can only make two? Because it's possible cap space wise that it's going to be really hard for them to be able to get both two top li- or a top line left winger, a second line left winger, and a defenseman. What if they can only do two of those three moves? What would you prioritize among those? The number one left winger, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Landis Scott, whomever that may be, and I'm going to get size on my blue line. As much as I want to, I can find somebody that can hopefully get to 20 goals on my second line wing. Hopefully they can take that next step. I need a guy who can play against the number one lines of Nathan McKinnon and Mark Shifley of these other teams around the National Hockey League in the Central. And I need I need my Jamie Alexiak. I need my six foot eight defenseman to play back in front of my goaltender to clear the front of the net. I need a mutant. Those two are the those are the two moves that I'm making, and I'll figure out my second line winger. Interesting. I think that I agree with you, but God, it would be so hard for me to pass up on Brandon Sod. I know if that it, guy is available out there and I, he might end up getting paid more than I, than I'm expecting. Maybe he ends up getting a $6 million deal. Who's that son? Yeah. Someone's going to pay him that money, but that someone could be a team that's not going for a Stanley cup next sure. year. Do you want to go play for Columbus and make 6 million? Or do you want to go to St. Louis and make, make four and a half million and try and win a Stanley cup? Six, one, eight. So an off season of Alexi Sod, Landis Goggin, Kachuk, right? One of the two. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That if if that's my off season checklist and that's the number one on the Ferrario five, I'm talking about a team that's competing for a cup next year. With Alex Ferrario, Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll dive into the junk drawer. But coming up next, I know you guys are probably all tired of hearing about the Aaron Rodgers saga, no. and I totally understand that. Why would I be? But yesterday was the first time that it actually became real, and we'll talk about why next on 101 ESPN. Come late July, early August, when training camp begins, then the game of chicken becomes real. And at this point, from what I've been told, Rodgers is still dug in 
and is not intent on coming back here. What changes between now and then? Well, that's the question that's going to hang over Lambeau Field and the Packers practice field from now until he shows up. That was Rob Domofsky on ESPN talking about the Packers situation with Aaron Rodgers. Yesterday, Alex, was the first time that this felt real to me since the news that we got on draft day. And that was when Adam Schefter dropped the bomb that was Aaron Rodgers is is hoping to be traded from the Green Bay Packers. That day, it felt like, oh my gosh, this is a bombshell are the Packers going to trade him tonight? Is this going to happen? Like, are they really going to do this? I watched that whole draft hoping that I was going to see it and then nothing happened. I'm and like, of course, damn. nothing came of that. And then over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of posturing. There's been a lot of talk out in the media, but really nothing of substance. Yesterday, something of significance happened. Now, it's small, but it does matter. He skipped the first mandatory day of camp. Oh, that's a no-no. He did not show up for mini camps. Now, that might not sound like a huge thing, and really it's not. But if he continues missing the next two days, he missed today, he's not out there today, he's going to be fined $100,000. For Aaron Rodgers, that's chump change. But it does show that he's, he's serious about this. And if he decides to skip all of training camp as well, it's $50,000 per day. He would lose out on $2 million dollars. By skipping OT or OTAs, minicamp, and training camp. That's fine. He can get that when he's in the movie with his new fiance. And then, if he decides to sit out the season, he would miss out on his $15 million base salary. That's significant no, money. Oh, that's chump change. He would have to give back a $7 million roster bonus that was paid to him in March. Ooh, that would that would sting having to pay the team $7 million. And he would have to give back $11.5 million previously given to him in signing bonuses. Now we're talking about real money. Now we're talking about, okay, Aaron, you don't want to play? That's going to be $30 million that you either already have or will be earned this year that you're giving back to the Packers. Can you imagine having to write a check for $7 million? For $18.5 million. Oh, my God. Oh, man. As much as Aaron Rodgers <laughs> probably has a bit of a vendetta against Brian Gutenkunst, it's easy for him to miss out on $100,000. Is he really going to miss out on $35 million to sit out this year to shove it up there? You know what? What's the other option? You can't show up. If you skip all of OTAs, you can't just show up in preseason and say, okay, let's go, boys. Let's forget what just happened. I think you can. There's no way. I think you will. There's no way you can. Why not? Your team's going to be fine with that. Your team's going to be fine with the leader who, of the leader of the team, who basically says, up yours, Green Bay, I don't want to be back Then trading. don't blame me, but I'm showing up. I'm going to be here. You ain't making me pay back that $35 million. Mm-mm. No way, no how. You can start Jordan Love. That's fine. Go for it. I'll just prove it to you one more time no that you guys way. are going to stink if I'm not your quarterback. This is going to get real ugly. It's already there. Uglier. It's already ugly. About as the- ugly as Aaron Rodgers' hairdo right now. <laughs> oh, Hey-o, boy. Sick burn. <laughs> oh, boy. So Adam Schefter was on ESPN yesterday, and I thought he said something very interesting. Because Schefter doesn't just say stuff. He's not out here in the sports hot talk hot take artist game. Here's what he had to say about how the Packers feel about all this. They know that if he's not back, that they will be one of the worst teams in football. And if he is back, Ooh. they will be amongst the best <laughs> with a chance to compete hey. for wow. a Super Bowl title. Which again, which again, will justify Aaron Rodgers' feelings and stance and decision with whatever he decides to do. But if he stays away and doesn't show up there, and the Packers struggle, that will validate his feelings. They know 
if he doesn't show up, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the sport. Man, what more leverage can you possibly have an a- as an athlete than what er- or, uh, Adam Schefter just said? There's your leverage. Jordan Love was super hot today on the field. He went, went like 3-for-3 three three in the 11-on-11 OTAs. Okay. I think he's going to eventually show up. I don't think he is crazy enough to miss out or repay $35 million. That is real money, even for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to show up, but I think it's going to take until mid-training camp at the earliest. If if there is not other things that are taken that, that take place before then. So I, I think Rodgers will be there. After seeing the financials yesterday, it was the first time that I had seen this all laid out. That that is what changed things for me. I, I don't know. Part of me feels like if I'm right and I'm trying to put myself in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, which I can't because I don't know what thirty million dollars looks like. But isn't it the principle of it all? Like you're Aaron Rodgers and How you much don't, are your principles worth. I, I you get know? it. But like then then media is gonna have a field day with you because you That's fine. Man, Criticize me. Be critical. That's fine. I'm a big boy. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come back. But I am just gonna, as the as the movie Step Brothers once said, we're here to f ish up. And that's what Aaron Rodgers. He's just, just going start flipping over tables, start throwing people, start throwing things and interrupting practices just to make Green Bay trade him. Remember what James Harden did this year to be able to get out of Houston, where he ended up showing up at a nightclub. He went and like got some night Will pepper wings. Yeah, he, he was at a strip club basically the night before the season started, and then when he was on the court, he was completely out of shape. I'm pretty sure. I'm still, I still have a tinfoil theory, Alex, that he was wearing a fat suit mm. underneath <laughs> his jersey at certain points this year. And when he was playing, there were moments where he was completely disinterested and just like throwing the ball out of bounds. You could see some Aaron Rodgers stuff like that this year. Exactly. I think you could see some stuff like that from Rodgers. Maybe that's why he's growing his hair out like this because he just wants to be like, oh God, Aaron, we we need to get rid of you. I think he I he's not above it. Jalen Ramsey, remember a couple of years ago, he he showed up. He had like a sore hammy or a sore back. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. Aaron's gonna come in with some turf toe and be like, "Hey guys, I'm here. I'm sorry. I got no. I can't. I can't do this. You're gonna right be now. paying me, but I can't play. I can't go out there on the field today. Sorry. I, you you could see some stuff like that. If he's gonna have principles here, that's the way he does it. Not by staying away. He's not. He's not giving them that thirty five million. What if he finds no a way, way to get cut by Green Bay? Like, just go out there and just start trying to trip Jordan Love on the field. Just do everything you can to get them to just cut you. We call that the Antonio Brown. Oh, <laughs> he, 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 That's it. Go to Instagram that. and start talking for some videos out there, Aaron, of you running around shirtless. That'll get you off the team. With Alex Ferrario, Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Junk Drawer is next. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. More likely to happen coming up in 15 minutes. If you've got two scenarios, you want us to tell you which one's more likely, we'll do that coming up at 115. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. But right now, Alex, what do you have for us in the junk drawer today, my Well, BK, are you ready to break another Guinness World Record? Oh, my God, we have the same one today. No, do we really? Yeah, the Las Vegas woman? No, this oh, is a different one. Got we got two. two of them. Marty, you're about to learn how to break some World records buddy i don't know if you knew this bk broke a world record and then he lost the world record also true because wow. he doesn't know how to suck a capri sun out fast enough what i said capri sun it's fine you get oh. those down about five seconds 
I think it was like 11. It was like, yeah, it was like 11.6 yeah. or something like um, that. You got to get it out of the straw and then in the Capri Sun, then suck it all down. Alex did not do it very well. No, because the damn straw got caught in the Apparently, Alex can't do anything well. I can't hit a damn softball. I can't drink a Capri Sun fast enough. Can't hit a ball. You can't suck a drink. Glad you said drink on that one. All right, BK, so... <laughs> Was not going this, with another D word. This world record, I was hoping it wasn't going to be a B word there. Uh, this world record was broken in Dubai. How good are you at wall sits? Oh, not good, man. You saw my legs. Yeah, I've seen well, yours. You Neither of us are going to be that's, good at this. I think I could. I don't think I could do this. I'm not sure you could do this either. But you run. I figured your legs would be good. Marty, how are your legs? Are they? Are they good? Not good. Not good. Okay, that's weird. I just asked how your legs were too. I apologize about that. Anyway, I'll show you in the break. <laughs> that's, also probably weird. Uh, Doreen Barber, and I apologize if I butchered this name, did a static wall sit for 2 minutes and 8.24 seconds. And by That's the way, And by the way, she did that with one leg. What do you, like, one leg up? Well. Or she has one she leg. She only has one leg, so that was kind of rude that so you just is, said. I, well, it was a fair question. It was a follow-up. Come on now. I said she Don't had put one me in leg, that spot. And then you were like, oh, so she had one leg up? No, no. you said she did that with one leg, which could be t- interpreted completely differently. Well, that's your fault. But yeah, two minutes and so 8.24 seconds. I apologize. I have to ask another follow-up question. And of course this is not do. me trying to be insensitive. I'm actually asking this question. Is this the world record for somebody with one leg, or is this the world record in that she did it with one leg? It says longest longest chair static wall sit so it doesn't have to be one leg i think this is I just a long- two minutes two minutes and eight seconds oh we could do this i'm surprised that's the record right or do you think you could do this i don't think you could do this for two minutes two minutes i'm actually legitimately stunned that isn't the record i thought it would be like 10 or 15 minutes what is what it two says minutes it, for a wall this, sit? the sign behind her on this it says official attempt come look at this longest samson's chair static wall sit from a female now this is from a female, female division well it's a female division i don't there's okay. no male division but she does the static wall sit so she's got her leg she's getting it yeah, down to parallel down, 90 and she, degrees and she lifts the 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 amputated leg up and holds that one so she's basically doing the wall set okay so it literally is. It's a typical wall sit, 90 degrees. Yeah, listen, like t- two minutes is a long time, and I'm going to be about is. as sore as I was last weekend and still to this day. My oblique, dude. Oh, my God. Um, after the swings that we took for three minutes. But, yeah, two minutes, we could do this. So it, <laughs> so it, it, this, I guess this is female and male because I just looked up what the male Guinness World Record is for a wall sit, and it says it was just broken two minutes and 8.24 seconds. Okay, we've got Mike Ryder in the studio, and this is a rare occasion. Ryder hates yeah, being Ryder on the air, so this, the this must be very real. But I enjoy the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> I know, right? It's weird how we both According to the Guinness Book of World Records website, 11 hours and 51 minutes by Dr. Ho in 2008 is a record. Okay, see, 11 so, hours. <laughs> what's the difference between a static wall sit then? You don't move, but so uh, 11 hours. I, I mean, I'm not hey, making the story up. I'm not making the story up. We are looking at this right now. So the 11 hours thing, I'm going to go ahead and, and let you know. I can't do that. If you want me to do I, two minutes, hold on. I'm all I in. I am so confused by this, though. <laughs> then what is this? Because some may struggle to maintain the position for 30 seconds. She did it. Samson's chair, also known as a static wall sit, known for being challenging thigh-burning exercise. The Guinness World Record wall sit, record-breaking, 2 minutes and 8.24 seconds. 
That's I don't know, it. man. It's the thigh burning, so there must be a position she's in where you can't go longer than a minute or two. Okay, well, this was a terrible junk drawer then that apparently is not true, but I... Hey, we can, we can go with it. In, in our world, it is 100% true. Maybe this Dr. Hose made up, Ryder. Maybe you just made this up. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's the record for a female with only one leg. And I'm not it saying that say in jest. That. <laughs> it's gotta Stupid be. Stupid world records. Okay. What's so, yours in Vegas? I'm hoping it's better than that. Speaking of world records, this is one that I know I could not break. It does include legs. Maybe you could break this one, Alex. A Las Vegas woman broke a world record for shattering three watermelons in a number of seconds. She put a watermelon between her Whoa, legs. Oh, God, you did the hand gesture, and I'm like, she put the watermelon where? Between her legs, between her thighs. Okay. Crushed the first one. Boom, gone. Crushed the second one. Boom, gone. And crushed the third one in 7.6 seconds. I don't even know why you're bringing this up because you know I can't do this. I have no leg Seven muscles. Seven seconds for three watermelons crushed between her legs. So the record was previously held by a Ukrainian strong woman who goes by the name Olga, which makes sense. That actually checks out. That's and a this, typical name. This woman, uh, Courtney, broke it at the grand opening for Girl, G-R-R-L, clothing in las vegas the other day 7.6 seconds for three straight watermelons crushing them between her legs you think we could break this one which one's more likely the, the 11 set. hours of the wall sit the wall or set. the seven seconds for the watermelon the wall set i don't even think i could fit a watermelon in between my legs oh static is without touching the wall Ooh. but she's touching the wall is that what that means how do you do a static wall sit without touching the wall Okay, so let's check. It's, it's literally in the sit. damn name. It's a wall sit. Then why would you just call it a sit, an air sit? I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll t- we'll this, check this out during this the break. Stupid Guinness World Records stuff. <laughs> Come on, man. Alex is so upset. All right, so coming angry. up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll play a game of more likely to happen. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line to get your scenarios in. Coming up next, though, this feels like a classic Adam Wainwright start. It's got Wayno written all over it, and boy, do the Cardinals need him. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. Let's talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're going to break the record um, that I'm tired of saying this. You know, I think I sound like a broken record, but we're about to break it because we're about to get hot. We just haven't been able to get, play with the lead. We haven't had a lead, basically, you know, in the last stretch of this homestand. So, and in, in the last game in L.A., hard to win with, without it. <laughs> It certainly is. <laughs> Cardinals trying to get back on the winning ways tonight. <laughs> Alex can't. He can't. He just like can't. <laughs> I love Mike Schilt, and I appreciate him being positive. Can we listen to that one more time? Because it, it brings some positivity into my life that Mike Schilt says, we're about to get hot. We're going to break the record um, that I'm tired of saying this. You know, I sound like a broken record, but we're about to break it. We're, break we're about to get hot. We just haven't been able to get, play with the lead. We haven't had a lead, basically, you know, in the last stretch of this homestand. So, and in, in the last game in L.A., hard to win with, without it. <laughs> what's, what's breaking the record? 
Like he the, said, we're I mean, going to break the record. The, streak, the, 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 lose, the losing streak that they're on Maybe right now. Maybe he's saying they're going to break the record for most consecutive losses. I, I think they're going to break the record for the longest wall squats. I think that's what they're going for. The team morale is going to get up. I think they're going to break the you record for the best I, laugh. I bet you I know what's <laughs> happened. I bet you I know what's happened. In that Dodger series while they were out in L.A., you can't do a whole lot out there right now. They probably went for the 11-hour record. That's why their legs are shot. They've struggled at the plate recently. The the that's pitchers why, are struggling. That's why we didn't hit any home runs in softball. Uh, we were tired. Because we were actually doing that in the clubhouse before we went out to actually participate in the home run derby. Listen, there's not a whole lot positive that's happening right now for the Cardinals. Well, that's not true. There's a couple of things. You got him? Tommy Edmond's still good. Okay. Tyler O'Neill still hitting home runs. There's a couple. Right? There you go. Congratulations. Giovanni Gallegos is good. The Cardinals need Adam Wainwright to have a classic Wayno start tonight. Because if he doesn't, what is on the horizon is a day off tomorrow. And then Friday, you travel up to Chicago to take on the Cubs, who have been playing great. And you've got Johan Oviedo going up against Kyle Hendricks. Let's be honest. I love Johan Oviedo. I think he's got the potential to be a really good starter for the Cardinals. He does not match up well against... Kyle Hendricks. And Kyle Hendricks has just torn the Cardinals apart in recent years. Kyle Hendricks is Cy Young against the Cardinals. On Saturday, you've got John Gann on the mound. Didn't look great the last time out, and that did end up portending terrible things for Carlos Martinez. Hopefully that's not the case for Gant as well, but possible regression is starting to hit for him. And then you've got Carlos on the mound on Sunday going up against Davies. This is not a, a solid series, or at least it does not appear to be for the Cardinals. They need Wayno to get things off of the schneid tonight because otherwise this very easily could end up being a 10-game losing streak. We saw a very similar situation a year ago. Cardinals were taking on the Indians last year, and you were going into – this was coming out of the quarantine. The bullpen was shot, and they needed a big-time start from their rotation. And what they got was Adam Wainwright going out there and giving them a complete game. That's what they need. Not a complete game necessarily, but they need somebody to get them back on track tonight. And Wayno's the perfect guy to have on the map. Yeah, I think Wayno just needs to go seven innings for him. I don't think he needs to do anything other than that. Because, totally the, because look, I know the bullpen's been taxed, but you're talking about two guys being used. That's a normal situation. If you get anything more than that, that then, then that's great. But Wayno just needs to do what Wayno has been doing all season at home. Really what needs to get on track is the offense to support Adam Wainwright. Because the problem for all of this is the pitchers in this drought that they've been in find themselves trailing after the first inning and then to what Justin Masterson told us earlier on the show your pitchers start trying to do too much the Carlos Martinez is already down two runs after the first inning you don't get a run scored Carlos is going out there to try and keep it at two runs and then of course all hell breaks loose in the next two innings when you when you're and I'm going to use the cliche saying of hockey but when you're gripping your stick too tight you're not scoring goals and then everything falls apart when you're trying to be perfect on the mound, like Carlos Martinez, like Adam Wainwright, like John Gant because of the loss of Jack Flaherty, well, then you're not getting the results that you're usually getting. When you're trying to be overcompensating as a hitter, like a Nolan Arenado or a Paul Goldschmidt or a Dylan Carlson who look like they're trying to save the season, well, then you're not going to get the results. Right now, it just seems like they need the breath of fresh air. They need one of those wins, right? They need the puck that goes off the button in the net. They need one of those wins that go in their favor to kind of get that sigh of relief that can say, okay, guys, we're good. Let's get back to it now. And you know what's interesting? I don't feel like they've had a whole lot of energy over the last couple of weeks. Well, it sucks out of you after the first inning. And some of that is definitely, that. that's exactly right. It, it is due to what's happened early on, but... 
if you look at this eight game stretch where they're one in seven in their last eight, the offense is batting 225 in this stretch. Their OBP, their on base percentage, is 280, which is awful. And their OPS in this stretch is 640. It's 26th in baseball in this stretch. The only teams that have been worse, again, the Padres are showing up here, is Pittsburgh, Washington, San Diego, and Texas. That's two of the worst teams in the sport and two other teams in Washington and San Diego that have been scuffling offensively as well. Cardinals just got to get things going. If your pitching is going to be as hurt, as decimated as it has been with injuries, it's got to be the offense. You're right, Alex. You bring up a good point. It's got to be the offense that gets you back on track. Tonight, I think you got to count on seven strong innings from Adam Wainwright, and you need this offense to get things going. One potential problem, hang up for the Cardinals, it doesn't sound like they're going to get Harrison Bader back as early as we thought. Yeah, He was asked yesterday, it was on the pregame show with Bally Sports Midwest, and they talked with him about where he's at right now with his rehab because Paul DeYoung, down in AAA, he's with Memphis, he's going through his rehab assignment right now. He could be back as early as this weekend. Harrison Bader was supposed to be on a similar timeline, and it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. I mean, you're in pain, right? Nonstop. Yeah, yeah it's it's nonstop. Uh, but again, you know, it is it is it is what it is. You know, it's, uh, it's it's all part of it. You know, I can live myself knowing I went out there, played hard, and you know, injuries happen. So, um, like I said, again, a lot of baseball left, and just keep my arm in shape. You know, try to take a positive. I'll get a little more rest for my flexor tendon. Arm feels really good. So, um, so yeah, hopefully eyeing a return here, you know, as soon as possible, and then uh, go out there and just. Maybe make some really good throws from from, uh, from center field because my arm feels a lot better. He's going to keep his flex flexor tender in, in shape and his arm in shape, but he is in pain well, no, when no, he no. breathes he, because of his ribs? So he hasn't been using his arm, so his flexor tendon feels much better now. Because Apparently it was still hurting him whenever oh, he was well, out it's there it's good earlier. that we did know about that one. It was just the, bru- the bruised rib situation. Yeah, so his flexor tendon was what kept him out at the beginning of the season. That's where he got hurt first. And apparently it wasn't 100%. Otherwise, oh, well, it's fine. Just come back, guys. We're good. But how's he going to keep that in shape when you can't even breathe because you're you're always in pain? Yeah, it's going to be a minute. Okay, so he's out till August. Potentially. Oh, sounds like a perfect opportunity to go get a center fielder from Arizona then. So here's a thing that is going to be difficult to watch over the next maybe even as much as a month. Sounds like Bader's going to be out a while. I think what you're going to see, Alex, Paul DeYoung's going to take over at short. You're going to move Edmundo Sosa over to second, and Tommy Edmonds going to be your starting right fielder for the next little while. And that hurts you defensively. That's not good defense. I mean, I guess it's not horrible. I, I'm not trying to be a Matt Carpenter basher here, but Matt Carpenter at second base turning those double plays, you can't have it. You missed out on two double plays last night because Carp just can't get that throw off fast enough. I think he'll be off the field. I think he'll go back to his role as a pinch hitter. Will he, though? Because if his offense is producing, do you take him off? Because we said, I mean, the guy's actually performing pretty well for them in a group of guys that can't hit the ball right now. He's He's been really good for them offensively of late. I think you're going to see Mike Schilt decide, okay, we're going to go with Edmundo Sosa second. Yeah. He's our best option there. He's gone defense over offense at times in the past. It's part of why Randy Rosarena didn't get a more extended period of time. They thought that it was they had better options out there defensively than him. Uh, I think you're going to see that with um, Edmundo Sosa. And he'll, he'll be your starting second baseman. By the way, in Matt Carpenter's last 15 games, he's batting 320 with a 916 OPS. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a legitimately it, extended period of time now. It's 37 plate appearances where he's been really productive. And that's for awesome for your bench yep. because I think you absolutely need that right now. You have no threat off of the bench. I'm just done with the Tommy Edmond in the outfield experiment. He's a gold glove caliber player at second base. What's your option, though? Go out and get an outfielder. 
I mean, as much as we're talking about going out there to get pitching, you need help offensively. I, I need to go get an outfielder who can spell Harrison Bader's injuries, Tyler O'Neill's injuries, and I'm not taking Tommy Edmond off of second base. This team needs two starters. Maybe a really a middle innings reliever Maybe would be a nice for them. Would be good too to add to Alex Reyes. And you need an outfielder and a starting outfielder. Oh, well, they're right there, guys. The World Series. You're one or one, two, three, four, five moves away from that World Series. I don't know. This is why it's difficult for me to be super critical at the moment of the coaching staff. Because as you look at the personnel, it's like, okay, what'd you expect? What'd you think this was going to look like when you put a bunch of backups out there, both in the rotation and now into the field as well? It's going to be a little tough. But they need Paul DeYoung when he returns to be really good. I mean, he needs to hit the ground running for them offensively again. And they're going to need Tommy Edmond to once again be a quality outfielder for him. If they can get an outfielder, great. I think I would still be prioritizing the pitching, though. I would want them to go out there and get a starter that can stabilize things there. They're fine this week. You can get through it because of the off days. That allows you to just go with your four-man rotation for now. Next week, I don't know who's going to start for them in that fifth spot. I'm being serious when I say that. Do you guys have any? Probably Woodford or Ponce. And that's going to be like a three-inning start at best. Best case scenario, you get a three-inning start. Well, and that is best case because you get a bullpen game that start, and then hopefully the next time around, KK is available for you. But even then, is Carlos going deep? What are you getting out of John Uh, Gant? Depends if the tsunami's coming or not. What are you getting out of Oviedo? I mean, you could legitimately next week see four of your five starters be expected to go five innings or less. And that is just, that is not something that this team can sustain. Trades need to be made. I think so. Now. I, I think you're you're going to need somebody to be traded for and, within the next week well, or so. Then you better be ready to give up Nolan Gorman, Zach Thompson, and a couple of other top-end prospects because you're not making any trade from a desperate team that's not going to command one of your top prospects. So you better be okay with it if that's what you want to do. This team's in a dire situation right now. Dire. Go get him, Wayno. Must win the night. Go get him, Wayno. Nine innings, complete game. Hope he's texting his teammates right now saying, you boys just take the night off. I got this. They need Wayno to go seven strong innings, and they need the offense to come through with at least four runs. That's that's what they need tonight. That is a lot of commands, BK. With Alex Ferrario and Marty Jenkins, I'm Brandon Kylie. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, coming up in 15 minutes. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us two scenarios. We will tell you which is more likely to happen. More likely to happen is next. More likely to happen, they'll figure it out. BK and Ferrario's most likely to happen. <laughs> Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line for what's more likely. Let's start with this one, Alex. More likely to happen: the Cardinals are buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. You buyers? Uh, there's not even a consideration. You don't have Nolan Arenado and then become a seller at the day- deadline. Who are you selling? Matt Carpenter, baby, sell high. I actually wonder if there. I bet you there's a team out there that Dodgers would, be would take in him, him, and then he'd probably go on and have like thirty home runs in the playoffs. And- be an MVP or something. That's how that usually goes. Who else? If the Cardinals, they're not going yeah, to, but say, just no. to kind of go down this path um, for a minute to entertainment. DeYoung would be somebody you try and sell. Um, Bader or I don't think you try and sell O'Neal. Maybe you try and sell Bader. I'm trying to think of guys that are kind of at the back end of their KK, like the, the rental style. Do you trade KK if somebody wants to take a shot at that? Maybe. Um, 
Carlos has Andrew, no value at Andrew this point. Miller, maybe. He's Get actually looked okay since yeah. he's returned from the IL. Yeah, I don't think you have much, though. But regardless, you're not going to be a solid yeah. because you have Nolan Arenado. Like, you're at the back end of the careers for Wayno and Yachty. Yeah. And you have Nolan Arenado. You're not selling. There's zero chance that this team is a seller at the deadline. So yeah. it's far more likely that they're buyers. Uh, 65780 is the air comfort service text line for more likely to happen. More likely that the Blues go get a top line left winger this offseason or the Cardinals get a top end rotation arm before the deadline. Do we consider Kyle Gibson a top end arm? He's got a 2-5 ERA this year. But would you consider that? Because I'm thinking top end arm is Max Scherzer, right? Like I'm I'm thinking another team's ace. What about Barrios? He's top. I think he would be considered. A, I, don't, I just don't know if I would put Kyle Gibson in that top Kyle end Gibson arm. Kyle Gibson is the best ERA in the American okay. League this year. So let's just say he's the top end arm. I think it's more likely that the Blues get the top left winger. Because the Cardinals can make the excuse of, oh, we don't get the guy, but Jack Flaherty's back. Miles Michaelis is back. You know, so-and-so's back. The Blues can't come out of this offseason and say, oh, well, we re- we brought back Jaden Schwartz. S- similar question to you. What do you think would qualify as that top line left winger? Matthew we talking- Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Gabriel Landeskog. I don't consider Saad or Palmieri a top left winger. I'm talking a guy who is a superstar in the league. I'm with you. I'm going to go with the Blues side of things just because I'm going based on track record. The track record of Doug Armstrong is that he's going to be aggressive. He's going to go out there and get whatever is necessary to be able to compete at the highest of levels. And as much as Mo did make a big move for Nolan Arenado, he did make a big move a few years ago for Paul Goldschmidt. You saw it with Ozuna. We saw it in the offseason as well with Jason Hayward. He's made some big moves. I think sometimes he's unfairly criticized for not for not doing those things. He doesn't do it at the deadline. Yeah. That is not his track record is going out there and making a big time move at the deadline to add. So and I think you're learning go with the blues. And I think you're learning an awful lot about how you do need some depth in your minor league system. And I just don't know if you can go into this trade deadline and go for a top end starter and be like, okay, let's give up three of our top end prospects because you're already seeing what's going wrong with your team because of that. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for more likely to happen. More likely that BK hits multiple home runs in the next home run derby that 101 is a part of, or Alex Ferrario crushes a watermelon between his legs. Uh, can we say neither? <laughs> It's more likely. I, I would say it's more likely that you'll hit multiple home runs than me crushing a watermelon. I actually think that's true. Because you can run into a couple of home runs. You can't run into having skinny chicken legs and being able to crush a watermelon between them. One is incapable of happening. The yes. other is unlikely to happen. Yeah, very so true. me hitting the multiple home runs. Well, let's ask the outsider, though. Marty. Well, I, I just don't know when that next derby is going to transpire. But will no, you that do- was a shot at us. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> will you it do a transpire. significant amount of training for that, Brandon? Like, will you get out there and get a lot of reps in for that? I didn't last time if <laughs> that's true <laughs> if there was more on the line then yeah i probably would i what do you I, mean if there's more on the line <laughs> it's a risk show they're bragging still about it yeah, we man. found out that we were going to be a part of it like three weeks in advance three weeks time to get out to the batting. i can't say yeah. much because i went out to the batting cages and i still sucked at it Get out of here. I don't need your criticism. No. Well, I figure we can at least criticize each other because we were both terrible. So, like, uh, we know that the other person can say whatever he wants because he sucks, too. From the 314, I love that BK sucks so hard that he broke a world record in doing exactly that. We might have, actually. Like, how many? What's the world no, record? No, I literally broke a world record for 
Oh, for sucking. Yeah. <laughs> BK's good at two things. Using his mouth for talking and drinking Capri Suns. Or well, sucking Capri Suns. Well, well, I was going to say sucking, way. but I didn't Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line for more likely to happen. More likely that the Blues acquire Matthew Kachuk or the the Cardinals, rather, acquire Cattell Marte at the deadline. Blues get Kachuk, That's a Cardinals get Marte. Which one's more likely? Uh, I'm going to play my Mr. 95% card here and find that little loophole, and that doesn't say Matthew this offseason. That just says the Blues acquire Matthew Kachuk, and I think they're going to get Matthew Kachuk. I would say that's more likely. I don't see how you can get Cattell Marte. That's a cost-controlled superstar on Arizona's team. You're going to have to give up the farm to get him, and I don't think— Cattell Marte feels like a Yankee. That feels like a Yankees move. Honestly, he feels like a freaking Dodger because that's life these days. Or a Padre. Can you imagine the Padre? Or, well, see, I don't think they would trade in their division with Cattell, so you're not going to go to an NL West team. That he, He feels like a Yankee to me. I, I think that's one of the types of moves. The Yankees aren't hitting this year. Their yeah, offense is terrible. Play? You find a spot. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you could put him You could put him at second. You could move. I guess you can't put him at second. I kind of got a spot there. But you could just throw him in the outfield. And he'll play out there, and you figure it out. But they need offense. That's their biggest issue right now. Yeah. I, I think he would be a guy that makes a ton of sense for them. I just think it's going to cost too much. And I think Doug right. Armstrong would be willing to spend what he needs to get Matthew Kachuk. I don't think John Moselec would be willing to spend what it would take to get Cattell Marte. And nor do I necessarily think he should. I think it's going to cost a ton. If you're going to go out there and get Cattell Marte, you're talking about Gorman plus Liberator plus something else, potentially. Because of the cost control, the certainty, what he gives you in the lineup. I mean, Cattell Marte is a great player. Mm -hmm. A legitimately fan. He's an all-star. Yeah. That's what you're, you're trading for three more years of all-star performance from a guy that's currently in his prime. Those are the types of pieces that are unbelievably valuable in baseball today. All right, next one up here for you. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for more likely to happen. More likely that the Cardinals finish first or fourth in the NL Central. First or fourth in the NL Central this year for the Cardinals. Which one's more likely? I'll say first. Yeah, man. The, the trend that I've been seeing and the situation they're in and what we just talked about with the trades, I think I might say fourth. Alex. I know. Cubs are overachieving. You just got swept by the Cincinnati. Did you hear Joey Votto say that they were blank-talking MFers? That team's not losing to you, so they might overpower you. We all know how good Milwaukee is. Chicago's the one I'm just not sure about, but Chicago doesn't look like it's stopping offensively. Now, if they trade everybody, then we're talking a little differently. I think the Cardinals have to have a significant turnaround to get first place because that competition is going to be elite. And if we're playing more likely to happen, I think it's more likely that you drop to fourth because of how good everyone is in that NL central with the reds, the brewers and the cubs. I think it's more likely they finish first. No, I'm Mr. Negativity. I'm usually Mr. Positivity. I'm stunned that you're on the other side of this. Honestly, it's really that Mike Schilt giggle at the end of, of it. all people. Me. You heard it from Mike Schilt. He said they're going to get hot. And he actually said they're going to break records. And I didn't know what records like. Are yeah, we going to break actual break records? The streak. He just misspoke. It's fine. It happens to all of us. You've certainly never been I've guilty n- of misspeaking never, on the radio. I never misspeak. That felt like a personal attack. You mentioned the Joey Votto quote. For anybody that hasn't heard this, this is spectacular, and it's what you get when you lose four in a row. This is what you got to deal with. Listen to Joey Votto talking about beating the cards four times in a row. A great team series. It's hard to win uh, four games in a row. It's especially hard to win four games in a row on the road. 
and uh, I don't know, I think I read the last time we did that was in 1990 and, you know, we had some talking mother in St. Louis uh, after the first series sweep and uh, it's kind of nice to go on their road, uh, you know, on uh, at their road ballpark and, and let them have it. We had some people sweeping brooms and like that while we were leaving. So how'd you like that? You know that big, you like that? You know that big dead air in between when he said that? I think he realized that. He's like, oh, I just said that in front of people <laughs> yeah. into a microphone. And then he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have. Now, was he talking about the Cardinals being blank talking? Yeah. Mother bleepers. Oh, really? We had some talking mother. Who do you think that is? I would go Yachty. Maybe no. Arenado. No. Maybe Wayno. Probably Jake, Jake Woodford. Yeah, Woodford was the guy. He got up and flexed over Gastianos. <laughs> they, they won that series, and he just flexed as he walks back to the dugout. I would say it's all, maybe KK getting involved. No, I don't. Well, his translator might have been getting involved. I, I would imagine you probably got a little Mike, Mike Schilt. Schilt. Yeah, Mike Schilt. <laughs> Schilt. Blake talking Sh mother Mike blanker. Schilt said, "Yeah, we're getting hot." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's probably where it was coming from. Hey, listen, I like it when guys give a little personality. Joey Votto gave it to the Cardinals just as the Reds did over the weekend. If you're going to be some bleep talking mother bleepers, back it up. You got to get it right back when the other team hey, beats you four in a row. That's what you, you get. You cannot man. deny that you would not take Joey Votto. Um, who's their pitcher? Is it Ahmed Garcia? Who, who am I thinking of? Their, uh, their their pitcher, who was the one that started a fight with the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. His face. The, uh, the big dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of what his name it. is right now. But anyway, he or Nick Castellanos. You can't tell me that you wouldn't take any of those Amir three. Garrett. Right. Amir Garrett. Thank, you can't tell me that you wouldn't take any of those three right now. And those guys run their mouths. And I yeah. love every single second of it's it. It's great. This should be a rivalry. It's a fun rivalry. I appreciate the fact that he's getting into it a little bit. Yeah. I wish we had more of that in baseball, frankly. From the 314, Alex, I never misspeak for Nario. Um I don't know what you're referring to there. It probably never happened, whatever that is. Also, I played breaking news sounder over a fake tweet on Alex Petrangelo, but no, that's fine. I that didn't never do that. Happened. It's not a big That thing. definitely never happens. Hey, we're just a few days away. Next Wednesday, June 16th is Dunctionary Day on the Bud Deck at the Budweiser Brewhouse in Ballpark Village. It's Cardinals versus Marlins. That's the game that you're going to be watching. First pitch is at 12:15. But the really important part here is that there's a few tables left, tables for four that remain available for purchase. You can grab one of those, and each of your four tickets will include a hot dog, a beer, and a Dunctionary t-shirt, plus a portion of every table purchase is being donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. We're going to be broadcasting our show live out there, from what I understand. Tanner Hendrickson's even going to be out there what? live in the flesh. T-Bone getting some hot dogs and beer. That's from 11 to 2. Then you've got the fast lane after us, the real, let's be honest, the athletes of the group okay. from 2 to 6. That's you true. can all get all the details for Dunctionary Day. It's available right now over at 101ESPN.com. Super excited about that. We are officially one week away. Bring some softballs out to uh, Dunctionary Day, and BK and I will sign them for you. We'll hit them into the ballpark. Yeah, we'll <laughs> sign them for you, too. Shut it, Mike Schilt. Come, come on, Marty. That's not nice. That's not nice. Coming up next, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. And
He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll catch up with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here in just a moment. Want to tell you about something cool that the Blues and 101 ESPN are doing this weekend to celebrate the two-year anniversary of the Blues' first cup. It's going to be called We Went Blues Day, and it is this Saturday, June the 12th. The celebration is going to include a rebroadcast of Curbs and Joey's Call in Game 7 in Boston. It'll begin at noon right here on 101 ESPN, your home for the Blues. We Went Blues Day will also offer merchandise deals, a game-worn jersey auction, a virtual champion's walk, limited edition paintings, and plenty more. Check out 101ESPN.com for all of the details on We Went Blues. That's this start Saturday, rebroadcast of Game 7 beginning at noon on 101 ESPN. One other bit of news to pass along, this according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. According to him, ESPN has officially added Kevin Weeks, one of our good friends, awesome. to their lineup of the NHL analysis. And they also are adding P.K. Subban. Which is strange because he's got one more year of $9 million with the New Jersey Devils. I wonder if he's just going to be doing this on the side. I know Maybe. there's been players that have done this in the past where they just kind of added on to their Man, responsibilities. they got a great lineup, though, that they're starting to put together. Ray Ferraro's a part of it. Brian Boucher. I think they said A.J. Malesko is going to be. they got a really good core of guys that are guys and girls that are going to be a part of these broadcasts, which I'm looking forward to. So Kevin Weeks and P.K. Subban, at least, are kind of the latest additions to ESPN as NHL analysts. So it sounds like there's going to be, if you were somebody that was nervous about this, and I would totally understand if you were, uh, there's going to be some pretty good analysis over at ESPN. Yeah. All right, let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Curbs, how you doing today, man? BK, Alex, doing good. How are you? How Do- was, uh, have, have your backs recovered from okay. the warning track power over oh, the weekend? All right, okay. that's enough of that, Curbs. I didn't know who told you that, and I was hoping you didn't know anything about that. I was very no, proud I of thought, my performance. Well, you tweeted it, you dummy. I, well, I didn't. Tweet. No, I. If, if you go back and look, I just retweeted people. I didn't tweet because there's nothing that I can say after that. Hey, Curbs, I was well, very proud of my performance. I more often than not made contact, and that was my goal. So I achieved Curbs, my goal. After I missed the ball nine times, I took a break, <laughs> and then the final two minutes I made a lot of contact, and I hit the wall twice. Gotcha. Well, listen, I happened to run into somebody by pure chance last night who happened to be pitching balls to you guys oh, and his story about the number of pitches that he threw to one of you. And he wouldn't, I'll give him credit. He wouldn't sell which one of you out that had about 15 pitches and couldn't make contact with one. I'm like, are you sure we're talking to the same two guys? These guys look like they're athletic. So I don't know what the story was, but it, it was me. He Curbs. was pretty adamant that he threw a chunk, a chunk, bunch of them. Hey, I'm not going to say it was Alex, but I'm just going to say it wasn't me. Yeah, it was it was me, Curbs. I'll admit failure when it when it when it shows itself. And uh, to to Brooksy's point, I think Brooksy had a nice little spin rate on that ball. I think he was That's using right. some sunscreen and rosin bag to get that ball. I think his and and this is honest to goodness. This is his quote. Uh, uh, we were out at Mattress Direct and uh, uh, getting a mattress, a, a new mattress. For, hey, I'm for trying to do the same thing. In, Tell them to get in touch with yeah. me. <laughs> Listen, no, we'll, okay, so you got to go out there and you got to see these guys. Cause you, I'm going to tell you something real cool about, about what happened there. Like, you want to talk, like, I hate shopping for mattresses. Like, like, you guys know how you have things that stress you out, right? Okay. Like, mattress shopping for me is one of those things. I'm like, God, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to lay on a bed, you know, not even try to sleep on. I'm going to lay on a bed for like, 10 minutes and say, yeah, that's what I'm going to sleep on for the next 10, eight, 10 years. Right. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Those guys are so good. Tried one with more memory foam. It just wasn't for me. Like, and cause they give you a year to figure it out within the year. 
right? We went back, exchanged it for one that was a little more firm. It was perfect, and it was as easy as that. Like, I'm telling you, like, you're, you're getting it from the right people, BK. Those, those, those guys are good. But, but I'm going to tell you, his quote, uh, as he was in there pushing, he goes, he goes, listen, Turbs, you probably could have not had a softball bat in your hands for 15 years, and you still would have at least made enough contact to get it out of the infield. Man. This guy couldn't even touch it. <laughs> Brooksy's just destroying me, and I'm glad that's hilarious to you, Curbs. <laughs> oh, I think it's spectacular. I went home and cried myself to sleep that night, but I that's went, fine. You know, I went over you, to Cyberg's, grabbed you know a few beers, and enjoyed the rest of my evening. Yeah. It, was, it was a wonderful night for you, guy. a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Listen, BK, you've, you've moved into a new house, right? And, and neighbors are important, okay? So what, what I think what you said, there, there was some, some old neighbor karma biting Alex right there. Like some some old neighbor that he refused to say hello to said, one day you're going to be in a home run derby and I'm going to be the reason that you whiff. And that's probably what got him. That must have been it. That must have been it. All right, Curbs, we got a couple hockey questions for you. Let's do quick hitter right. edition because we're running out of time here. But yep. uh, let's start with this. So your biggest takeaway from Avs versus Vegas is what? Vegas, last time we talked to you, it looked like Colorado was going to run away with this thing. And now Vegas is coming right back. Vegas got a couple of key pieces back in McNabb and Reeves. I thought that was really important. Um, I, I think the first game of that series, Vegas was worn out from the seven-game series against Minnesota. So I think uh, I think getting some rest was important there. And then the last thing, I, I just think, and, and you have to give Peter DeBoer some credit here. Now, now Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, he's won in the American League. You won a Calder Cup down there with Erie in, in the American League. But, you know, Pete DeBoer has taken the New Jersey Devils and the San Jose Sharks to the Stanley Cup Finals, right? I mean, they knew what they were doing when they let Gerard Gallant go and brought him in. And and I think you're seeing some better in-series adjustments from Vegas than we've seen from Colorado. Having said that, Colorado was one overtime tip away from being up 3-2 to two in the series. So that's how close it is. Curbs, Jamie Rivers, our good buddy on the fast lane, brought up the idea a couple of days ago of the Blues possibly making a push for Matthew Kachuk this offseason. Do you see that as a possibility, and does he fix the Blues' problems in that top uh, top line that they've been desperately looking for? Does he fix the problem? Absolutely. I think somebody like Matthew is a player that uh, that is also going to bring a little more spice and grit and, and some, some nasty hockey sense to this squad, and I think that is a factor in something that they need. I think that freshness and that youthfulness is something that, that this veteran group needs. I, I think I think they were missing some of that over the last uh, year or so. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think if situations develop in Calgary, knowing that he could be a, a, an unrestricted free agent after the next two years and he's only got one year left on his current contract, um, I, I think that that'll be a situation to watch on how either Calgary or Matthew decides to handle it. I mean, don't forget – you know, that's a smart hockey family that understands the business side of this, too. So um, I definitely think that that scenario is one to keep an eye on. And then if something comes up, yeah, you, you would love to see the Blues involved. Another one for the offseason that I'm curious on for you, Curbs. I've been so impressed. We've talked about this guy a little bit before, but Brandon Saad continues to amaze me with what he's done in the postseason. He has 90 games of playoff experience. Now, I know he's getting up there a little bit in terms of his age, going to be 29 next year, but is he somebody that, in your opinion, makes some sense for the Blues whenever he hits the unrestricted market? Yeah, you know, first thing is, okay, what happens with Jaden Schwartz? That's, that's the important one, but you know, to, to me, to me, Brandon Sod's an intriguing one because he does bring a little bit of size. Now, 
he wasn't overly successful in helping move the Columbus Blue Jackets forward. He goes back to Chicago. Chicago moves him out to Colorado. You know, so if you've got a role on that left wing and on that, you know, third, because now keep in mind, they've also primarily played him in a, in a third line role, right? He was up with the first they, they, line they, last night, though, and he looked pretty well, decent doing so. so. Right. So that that's my point, though, is you've got a guy that could slide up there. Now, I don't know that he's playing up there every single time. And the Kadri suspension has been a big part of that. So, yeah, he's definitely somebody you have to take a look at. To me, guys, to me, my my dark horse, and I don't know the cap situation in, in Tampa, and I haven't, with them still on a roll, reached out to Dave Michigan yet on this one. But I'm really intrigued by the potential of a Blake Coleman who's going to be 20. You know, he's 29 years old right now, right? Um, I, I just I wonder if Blake Coleman at 29 could end up being a guy, you know, that could slide into a top six role with the Blues, pick up 40 to 50 points, and and, and bring a little more. Um, just a, a little more grit to those front things. So that he would be he would be an intriguing one for me. And the other one to maybe keep an eye on, guys. There's two out there: Zach Hyman of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and let's not forget that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a UFA. That's still a pretty doggone really good hockey player. And and those guys are all left-handed that can play the left wing. What about Kyle Palmieri, Curbs? What do you think of him as a, a fit for the Blues? I just I, I think the Blues are slow enough with some of their veterans already that I, I think the speed's going to be a factor there. I think he's more for a team that's going into that championship scenario. I think he's more of a role in the in the bottom six. Um, I, I think they need a little more uh, a little more pizzazz and a little more offensive pop than uh, than I think what he's bringing now in his career. I mean, that's just my opinion on that one for him. But uh, to, to me, to me, guys, my top guys that I think you're probably looking at if they hit the market which is still an if, right, would be Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Hall, Saad, Landis Cog, and, and Blake Coleman, and, and, of course, Mike Hoffman's in there from the St. Louis Blues standpoint, too. So those, to me, would be my initial interesting uh, targets that could play top six roles for you. I like it. Curbs, we appreciate it, man. We're going to be listening on Saturday to the We Went Blues Day. We're looking forward to that. Always appreciate your time joining us here on 101 ESPN. All right, boys, have a great day, and uh, take care of those backs. Get some ice on it. Will do. It's really my oblique. That's been the issue for me. My, mine's my just oblique my, mine's and my, my left knee. Mine's my ego more than anything. Yeah, it happens. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Marty Jenkins. I'm Brandon Kylie. Hey, coming up next, we're going to cross things over with the fast lane. We're also going to give you your opportunity today to win a pair of tickets to Point Fest. If you've been listening all day long, got a good chance to be able to win these things. It's a text to win. If you've been listening all day, you got a shot to win a pair of tickets to Point Fest coming up next on 101 ESPN. week-long 101 ESPN is giving you a chance to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Shinedown along with other fantastic bands at this year's Point Fest. It'll take place September 19th. It's out at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And now through Friday, you can get lawn or select reserve seats for just $19.95 plus fees for Point Fest featuring Shinedown. And right now is your chance to win on BK and Ferrario. So earlier today, we talked about two world records. Two world records. If you know what those two world records are, send them in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780, and we will give you the sixth texter. Six texter will win this, a pair of tickets to see Point Fest. Crossing things over right now with Anthony Stalter in the fast lane. What's going on, man? I don't like your attitude, BK. What happened? I never like his attitude. I got a Hold text. On. I got a text message that said, you said 
on air that if you would have trained harder, actually, if there was more <laughs> no. on the line for the home run derby, you would have trained yeah. harder. What about pride? What about your pride, man? Yeah, Sorry that, for asking I, that. I, I, I have no pride. Are you serious? Do you your nonchalant attitude on this is, I mean, Alex hasn't talked in days. Yeah, my ego still hurts, and now I just had to listen to Kerber make fun of me, which, God, that stings more than anything. Yeah, that one hurt. This guy's crushed over here. Ferrario's crushed. And the more crushing part is I went out to the field. I actually celebrated afterwards. I celebrated my performance. That's bad. It was I know you did. Went out to Cyber. Yeah, he was happy about it. I went home and I cried myself to sleep. I slept in the basement. Their sweet heat sauce. Oh, so good. I got a, a, I got a big wonderful. problem with you. There's right a difference now. between teammates right now, Stoltz. Yes, there is. Listen, I, I you care. know, I, I'm I'm as competitive a person as you'll ever meet. I don't know that now. <laughs> I thought that. When no, I you know... left the field when you split your lip in football. Like, what the hell, man? That's okay. true. You didn't finish. Stolzer knows. I tried to come back, and they told me I was not, I was not allowed to I'm return. I'm pretty sure he was concussed. And did he try harder? I'm pretty sure How I hard was. did he try to come back? That's the real I question. Know. He didn't know where David was. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that. <laughs> we don't talk about that in my household anymore. I Wouldn't talk about the softball gave my either. best effort. It didn't go well. I knew it wasn't going to go well. That's exactly how it went. And I celebrated the fact that I accomplished my goal, which was to hit the vast majority of those softballs. Oh, boy. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it, too. I just I need retribution. I need retribution at some point. I feel like I need to go back out to that stadium and take some swings there just so I can hit one and say, okay, see, I can do it. I don't know that I could. I think that was pretty much my performance. Yeah. Alex, how how are you in softball? Like I'm, is I'm straight contact? That's my problem. Like why didn't you tell us that? <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I was confident in my anything. ability. Well, I was well. There was nothing to say after what I that performance, right? You got to walk away with your head down after that. Six five seven eight zero is your comfort service text line from the three one four guys. Next time that there is a home run derby contest, BK won't be invited. That's true. Yes, I know. I wasn't supposed to be invited this I th- time. I, think, I was a fill in. <laughs> I think that's what stings more for me though that I want to be invited, but I won't I, ever be. I like I like this one. I feel I feel bad for Kara. I feel sorry for Kara. Those happen a lot. Yeah. This is fiance. That's a regular text. That's just that's actually scheduled. Every every day at 155, <laughs> there's just a scheduled. I feel terrible for Kara. <laughs> I like yeah, to, anyway. I like to troll BK every show just to be sure. You text him. Yeah. yeah. Just text him. So I feel bad for Kara on the fast lane, man. Well, I guess we got to talk about the Cardinals. Kind I guess. Pretty similar sure? to our performance in the home run derby, okay. honestly. Can we just like when when does that go away? Does it I ever think next end? week? Uh, do you think next week? I think we're we're getting toward the end of. You think so? Not talking about it. Like anymore. when when do we forget that though that those happen? Gone but never forget. forgotten. Yeah, man. there you go. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about the Cardinals losing again. It's fine. It's all happened. fine. Mike Schultz Is says it? they're about to get hot. So I'm looking forward to hearing what hot you guys what? have to say. He said about they're about that. to break records. It's true. In what? And I don't. Know, he just laughed after. <laughs> Fastlane's coming up next. They're on from two to six. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven on 101 ESPN. <laughs>